Imagine going from the Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, to The Mist. Could you imagine Martin like Scorsese doing a horror movie? It'd have cool. to be like a mob one, right? Like, Let's see it. That'd be dope. I'm thinking Mob of the Dead. Oh, Mob yeah. of the Dead. Let's do a zombie uh, Godfather or Honestly, something. Honestly, I want to hate this idea so much. But it's good. It is good. <laughs> I'm kind of fucking into it. Hollywood, get at us. So watching The Mist, uh, the last 20 minutes has this fucking funeral procession throaty lady song that plays forever. Mm-hmm. And it's probably my biggest negative on the film. Oh, really? Yes, I hate that song. But it got this like, you know when you get an earworm mm-hmm. and like it burns itself into the wrinkles of your gray matter and then all of a sudden it just pops up to the front of your brain and you're like, there's no way I can identify this song based on four bars or, yeah. you know, not even just a couple notes. And this you is what's happening. I did. So I even involved my wife in trying to help me figure out what the hell this song was. And all I could remember was this little thing that goes, and I spent hours Mm -hmm. trying to find that. Now, do you guys know what that is? Because my brain is garbage. So this morning, I was getting into the shower, and all of a sudden, my brain went, bang. And I was like, that's it. I fucking figured it out after hours of trying to figure it out. It's the little yodeler on Price is Right when you go over the cliff. (laughs) (laughs) If only. No idea. No, unfortunately, what my brain was remembering was Desert Rose by Sting. Get out. <laughs> Do you know that song? <laughs> yes, uh, vaguely. And if you but... don't, cue it now. I had the same exact thing when I watched the remake of Psycho. Because the opening is like that whole thing. I could not figure out where the fuck I knew that from. And it was a Busta Rhymes song. I spent six hours that night (laughs) scouring the Internet, asking everyone I knew over chat and text and phone. I called people at like 1 a.m. I called my West Coast friends and I was like, yo, what is this? Where do you know this from? And everyone's like, oh, that's familiar. It was a fucking Busta Rhymes clip. And he sampled it. Yes, he sampled it. And give me some more. And yes, I was just that's like, right. Fu- mm. It drove me absolutely fucking batty the whole movie because it keeps playing. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I thought you were going to reference the fact that it's the same song in the reanimator. But <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, dude, what's with our brains, man? Who like, knows? I've never I've may have heard Desert Rose one time in my life on MTV back in the day. It does sound like, yeah, okay. To be fair, it sounds like all the like Indian Egyptian like thing that was popular with music at that time. Right. But can you imagine seeing me sitting there on my phone, Googling how to figure out what the hell this is? I'm typing in Irish lady throat yodeling and shit like that because I don't know how to describe this. I type the same thing out on Pornhub. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you got better results there. Good song, though. I'm thinking of those commercials now with like the where they used to sell CDs, like compilation CDs. This would definitely be highlighted in yellow as it was playing in the (laughs) background. <laughs> it scrolls up yes. the screen. <laughs> Man, what are those like pure one mixes or yes. like pure moods or something like that? Mm. Anyway, that's what I did Friday night. <laughs> oh, I don't think <laughs> I can compete. The mist. To be fair, my grandparents bought that like 1950s box set from Time Life Music, and I fucking copied the shit out of that. Hell yeah, it still holds up. All right, I'm gonna make a confession. 
I was a member of the Columbia. We all were, man. Music records That's what where you get all of our credit. Forty CDs for a penny. Uh, I always wanted to. But my mom wouldn't let our me. Our credit score dropped by at least fifty points because every one of us was a member of the Columbia Record House at some point. I signed up without asking my parents first, and oh, then yes. I was on the hook for six albums at thirty dollars a pop. <laughs> oh, they knew what they were doing. Oh yeah, they knew off. the kids were in there. Hey, but I actually got a Misfits album. I got Primus's Brown album and a bunch of other kind of cool stuff. Okay. So I was, you know, yeah, it worked that out in TV guys. And I'd see it every week and be like, God, I fucking, I got to do this. But I was too much of a goody do shoes to just sign up. Well, good for you, man. You saved it. You dodged a bullet. I guess. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark. Again, joined with Garrett and John. Fellas, we're back on another beautiful Sunday afternoon. I think I might go ride my bike after this. Okay. It's that nice. Yeah, no mist here. There's no atmosphere of any kind that could cause me harm. So I'm thinking about it. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Yeah. No, no complaints over here. Uh, I managed to enter and leave the grocery store. So uh, good. successful mission successfully accomplished. Have you ever been hauled up in the grocery store overnight, Garrett? Perhaps. I used to work at a grocery store overnight. So yes, stocking, yes I have. Stocking the shelves. <laughs> yep. Uh, I that was the I hated that job so much. I worked at a grocery store for two weeks. I was uh, mm. I was a bagger that I got promoted checker, and then one time they needed help overnight, and I stayed a couple times. And... I was a bagger and never made it past that because I was like, this is not the job for me. Oh, that shit was rad, man. You got to go outside. You got to push carts around. I liked you got that to, like, part. Talk to people. It was cool. Here's the here's when I knew it. this wasn't the job for me because I was like 18 or whatever and an idiot. But I was uh, bagging for a very attractive cashier. And I was talking to the cashier and this one lady was like, are you going to talk to me? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't like the job because you got called out on being a fucking douchebag. Yeah, definitely. No, no, no. He's just flirting. You yeah. know, I was you like, just got to flirt on your own time. Not, like, not on the HEB's time. Too. You got to spread it around. John. Well, that wouldn't be so bad. But then she went and yelled at the, told the manager and he was like, you can't talk to the cashier while you're bagging. I was like, all right, well, fuck okay, this Karen, job. calm down. Jeez. Yeah. So whatever you want. Uh, I was like, fuck this job. I was 18. I mean, it did not take much for me to be like, fuck this job. I had my finger broke one time on the job because someone dropped one of those big Ozarka water jugs on my hand and broke my pinky. Oof. Ouch. Yeah. So did you quit? I yelled fuck really loud and I got in trouble for that. What? And eventually they like let me be cool, but uh, yeah. Also the, lady, the, the lady was upset that I used a curse word. And I was like, ma'am, you, you broke my finger. Uh, I also turned out that they drug tested. So Publix, I don't know if you still drug test, but that's a terrible, terrible system. <laughs> so it might have been that I also realized that uh, drug tests were coming down the line. You could have asked that lady for some pee. Now oh. you got a conversation See, now, going. You got to with the customers, bro. <laughs> Get that clean urine. Uh, Ma'am, can I have some pee-pee? <laughs> no, it was a mouth one, so, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you can't do that then. No, can I have some clean saliva? Can, can I just stick this in your mouth real quick? <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, what have y'all been up to since the last time? Nothing. John, you are the thing. epitome of excitement. I know. I really have not watched a lot of movies uh, since we last recorded. I, you know what? That's a lie. I watched The Mist. <laughs> even oh, my God. <laughs> you fell for it. <laughs> Got him. All right. Uh, no, Garrett? yeah, I have not watched much. Well, what about you, Garrett? Um, I burned through um, a few of the Friday the 13th. Uh, I believe it was three through six. 
the good ones still fucking hold up. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. absolute bangers. Um, I watched two Nightmare for Elm Streets, and I man, I just Freddy is so hit or miss for me. It was some of the later ones. It was like after five. No, don't do that. But again, I hadn't remember. I didn't. I couldn't remember them. So I was like, oh, let's give them a shot. Let's let's see what's up again. You know, after four, pack it up. Yeah, just skip straight to New Nightmare. The one where he has like the nun with the baby and that whole thing. That's like five. The yeah. dream child. Okay, yeah, whatever that one. I watched that one. I was like, ooh, god, his face. The the prosthetics the, on his face was not cool. The thing is, is there's still some fun kills oh, in yeah. those ones, but the story is just bleh. yeah. I just don't understand. Like, it's so rich for like having like a, a good story be played out, and they just just can't seem to like nail it with Freddy. Yeah, they just they just kind of hit or miss on it. But anyway, uh, did that. Also rewatched the um, James Gunn Suicide Squad. Still bummed out we did not get that on the big screen. I, I enjoy the fuck out of that movie. It's so good. It's kind of got me a little bit excited for the James Gunn DC universe, but at the same time, I'm also like, I hope every movie is not the same exact type of movie. I, have I don't want Guardians across the board. It's going to be that. I am, I'm Although sure I did is. really enjoy the the television show Peacemaker, I thought they did a really good job with that because it's based off the right. I mean, again, there's 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 something to that formula, but at the same time, like I don't think I need that with Superman. I definitely don't want that with fucking Batman. This is the problem. Goddamn Christopher Nolan fucked it up for all of us. <laughs> he gave us <laughs> such perfect Batman movies, even the fucking first Tim Burton one, a fucking absolute banger. If you haven't seen the first Batman from 1980, whatever, in a while, go back and watch it. It still holds up. Where does Jack he Nicholson get these is, wonderful toys? Oh, he's so good. He's yeah. so good. But doesn't have the bad Visa card. You never leave the Batcave without it. So. Go home, George Clooney. You're <laughs> drunk. The, I wait. No. What? <laughs> it's a commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't the bad Visa card. For it was bat, a credit card. Batman Can forever, we please talk whatever? about horror movies? Our, our listeners are going to fucking riot if we don't get back to some stuff. So right. that's what I did. Mark, uh, whoever else is here, <laughs> what did you guys do? <laughs> Other host? Uh, go ahead. So for Christmas, my wife bought me a few rando movies from Vinegar Syndrome. One of them being... Oh, we talk about Vinegar Syndrome because I actually have a ton of those I watched. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't talk about them because nobody cares about them. I blind watched one she bought me called The American Scream. And it's basically a 1988, 1989 film where this white family where their children are 21-year-olds. You know how it goes, especially yep. in the 80s. They go to this little uh, secluded village where they're going to have a good time in the mountains, but there's no kids their own age. Turns out everybody's been killing all the children in this town. You actually see a scene where like when they're driving to the town, there's like a car behind them and this woman is trying to breastfeed this baby and then the husband just grabs it and smashes it against the dash. Oh shit. Yep. Yeah. Now this movie is not good. Aww. So don't get your hopes up, but it's got some pretty creative moments in it that I was like, okay, I, I appreciate what this is, but it was like a low budget, no budget, no time. It's nonsensical at times. Uh, the ending is weird. I won't go into it too much, but basically the kids decide that to live, they have to be adults. So they start drinking and smoking and they murder four people in the village and just take over their roles. Oh, that's exactly what being yeah. adult is. You have to drink, smoke and kill one other adult. So <laughs> if you happen to come across it, it's worth it just for the few moments. Okay. Listeners, go support Vinegar Syndrome if you can afford it. I really appreciate their work, but holy smokes, they charge a lot of money for their movies. They go back and they actually redo the quality. They put a bunch of special features. The sound is often redone. I mean, to be fair, they put a lot of work into the releases, but sometimes you have to look at the work they put into a release and go, why this movie? You know, like, why not something better than this? Or I wish they would at least offer a digital option. Oh, that'd be great. You know, maybe half the price, mm-hmm. 25 bucks for the digital, 40 something for the But where's the, the markup? Um, and plus, I mean, I, you got to look into... Anyway, let's not get into the, the details and the contract aspect of... Mm-hmm. Vinegar Syndrome, I appreciate that you're bringing these 
movies that could fall into obscurity up to 2023 standards. So thank you. Good yeah. job. Because we complain about not being able to find certain things and they're keeping them alive. Exactly. Also, Arrow Video. Great about that. Thank Their you, Their price Arrow. is much more reasonable. And they have digital yes. options. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We go through yeah. the sales every two weeks. Yeah. Three ninety nine a movie. <laughs> it's like, okay, everything. Fuck I'll yeah. take it all. A um, little bit of news I wanted to mention. Smile 2 has been greenlit. Why? Parker Finn has also been, he's the director and writer of it. He did the short, remember, Smile. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been given the first look option with Paramount. So he's got a nice little deal going on. Oh, I mean, Smile's cool. made bank, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it was, do not get it, but okay. I liked it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I, I just know. don't think it needs a sequel. I don't either. It was a fine movie. But again, once again, we don't need a fucking sequel. To now we're going to get the Smileverse. And, ugh. The only thing I would say that I would be on board for is if it's completely separate from the characters in one. If this is like, hey, another lady or person is being haunted by this creature that we were. Let me go ahead and uh, lay this out for you real quick, Mark. Okay. You're right. It will be a whole new set of characters. But at some point, they're going to have to run into a legacy character from the first (laughs) movie who's going to explain to them or they're going to find some piece of paper that's a police report that talks about the guy who hit himself with a hammer. They're going to go talk to that dude's wife. They always do this as a like, ah, classic fans. See, we didn't forget about you. It's like, dude, just let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Now, I will support it if the subtitle is still smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Smile, colon, turn that frown upside down. Yes. Anything like go. that? Nailed it. Uh, yeah. Take my money. I don't even need to see the trailer. <laughs> give me a clever subtitle and I'm in. Well, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, I I'm not going to write it off right away, but yeah, I'm not particularly thrilled there's going to be a sequel, but we'll see. Imagine if a director made a movie that out of nowhere made massive bank. And instead of saying, hey, we want you to make a sequel to this thing that makes no sense to make a sequel to, you just said, hey, here's some money. Go do another original idea. Do the same thing you just did, but maybe again. Well, that's kind of what the deal is. Every first look, Paramount gets to see what he's come up with. So he's not just doing Smile 2, but he's got to do Smile 2. To get the rest of his... But people that want money want more money. That's just how life is, unfortunately. And if, you know the scariest thing we haven't talked about on this podcast? Capitalism. <laughs> Tell me about it. Let's watch. Let's do an episode on American Sam or whatever that one was. The 4th of July one. And then we can bring oh, capitalism yeah. or something. Hey, we're, we're doing American Psycho. So. We are? Oh, yeah, okay. That's right. Well, there you go. So listeners, stay tuned for our screed on capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried communism? Yeah. There are no American Psychos in communist land. That's right. Nothing ever bad happened there. <laughs> nope. Well, today we're talking about The Mist from 2007. And for some reason, I get this one mixed up with the fog, probably because it's also some sort of atmospheric anomaly. So yeah. the people I was watching it with, they're like, isn't Jamie Lee Curtis in the original? And I was like, I don't know. And it's like, oh, that was the fog. Yeah. So this was the first time they did the mist, right? Uh, yes. And then they did a TV show a couple of years later. But this was the first go. I didn't know there was a TV show. Yeah, yes, it's called it The Mist. Oh. <laughs> colon TV show. No. Did you watch it? No. Well, this one was done by director, writer Frank Darabont. And he had great success with two other Stephen King properties, The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. Which is still baffling to me because when I think about those movies, I do not think Stephen King. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. either. The Green Mile, I can, I can like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. But Shawshank Redemption would never have thought Stephen King. Yeah, it's astonishing. He's such a prolific writer. And this gentleman uh, also co-wrote Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Oh. So he, I turns out I'm a fan of him. Didn't even know his name till yeah. t- right now. But, Hi, uh, Frank. We're fans. Yeah. Four for four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was based on a 1980 novella 
The Mist by Stephen King. And I think it was, do you know the, the collection it was part of? Skeleton Crew. Skeleton Crew. Yeah, a bunch of good stories in that one. Now, and if you're going to read like one Stephen King anthology, or like short stories, I would highly recommend Skeleton Key. Or Skeleton, Key. Skeleton Crew. It's got uh, The Raft is really good. The Jaunt. I mean, so many good ones. Is Cat's Eye in there? Or is that something else? No, I think Cat's Eye is in Cat's Eyes. Oh, is that okay? <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if that's what it's called, but I think that it, it, I do think that's what that. So, what makes it a novella? It's a hundred and fifty-four pages, so it's too long for a short story, but too short for a novel. Well, it's one hundred fifty-four pages in the edition I have, but it's just a little short for a novel. So, as mentioned, this one was directed and written by Frank Darabont. This one stars Thomas Jane, the Punisher himself, pre-MCU. Correct, as David Drayton. Marsha Gay Harden as Mrs. Carmody, Laurie Holden as Amanda Dunfrey, Andre Brogger as Brent Norton, Toby Jones, love me some Toby Jones, as Ollie Weeks, William Sadler as Jim, Jeffrey DeMunn as Dan Miller, Francis Sternhagen as Irene Repler, Nathan Gamble as Billy Drayton, Alexa Davalos as Sally. Um, surprisingly, there's a lot of walking dead people in this. Before The Walking Dead. The main guy's also in The Expanse, if y'all have seen that TV oh, Jesus show. Jesus Christ. No, because we have lives, John. Watch The Fucking Expanse. Get with it. are not watching garbage TV <gasps> on every fucking streaming service in existence. Did y'all see Lost? Did y'all see... Um, Listen. Yes. Um, you take that back right now. Warehouse 56 or whatever the fuck that also, was. Did you see Cleopatra 207075? Did you see... I watched one episode of that. It was garbage. Coming for people. Belated vinegar syndrome. I don't... Yeah, I don't... Uh, belated? Hold up. <laughs> Gently massaged at best. The Expanse is an incredible sci-fi TV show. Okay, I'll take your word on it. You should. I don't watch a lot of sci-fi TV anymore. Well, don't, but watch The Expanse. Okay. <laughs> Most of it sucks. Um, Most of it sucks? No, not The Expanse. Most oh, sci-fi like, TV shows what the fuck? suck. Way to sell it, bro. Most of The Expanse is aces. On Rotten Tomatoes, we've got a 72% with the critics. Whoa. And a 65% with the audience. It's had 100,000 plus reviews. That's audience, weird that yeah. the audience was lower than the critics. What could you hate about this movie? Besides the two the hour ending. and five minute runtime. Well, it was a bit long. Yeah, but it paced so well. It did. It really paced well. But again, there's some things we could have cut out of this movie a little bit. <laughs> I'm trying to read this comment who gave it a half star on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Did is the most of stupid movie they ever make. Please don't waste as in your waste, your time watching this movie, bad, very bad for family. Okay, dude. I don't know that I want to trust <laughs> your opinion on anything. That's someone who was really excited when the religious characters showed up <laughs> and was very disillusioned when they were like, oh my God, Jesus is painted bad in this. Stephen King at his worst. Cynical, atheistic, unbelievable. I'd rather watch Sharknado again. Oh, so people don't like it because it's like they say it's yeah, anti-religious? Yeah, yeah. But if you watch the movie, that lady was actually right about everything. At best, it's agnostic. She calls every single thing that's going to happen in this film. Well, here's what the back of the DVD has to say about this movie. It's gotta say unspeakable horrors. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm calling it no. A wickedly entertaining thrill ride, says Roper and Ebert. Finally, I can agree with Ebert on something. Do you think they, when they were looking for the Roger replacement, they're like, we need to find someone with an R name. Yes. And they landed on a Roper. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Poor guy. That's exactly why he got the job. <laughs> From legendary fright master Stephen King, 
an Academy Award-nominated director Frank Darabont, comes one of the most tense and terrifying films since The Shining. There, we always got to compare it to something. They it's re- not The Exorcist, it's The Shining. Yeah, they reached far back. They couldn't think of any scary movies in the last 30 years. Maybe they just looked at Stephen King names. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. After a mysterious mist envelops a small New England town, a group of locals trapped in a supermarket must battle a siege of otherworldly creatures. We were close. So close. And also, we're just giving it away. Yeah, that's true. Though if you watch the trailer, it also gave the whole oh, thing away. It. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch the trailer, and I kind of liked where is this going you okay. know i was like oh it's a it's a bug movie it's all about insects nope it's close though no we, we fought them on clandathu they're done <laughs> would you like to know more <laughs> a group of locals trapped in a supermarket must battle a siege of otherworldly creatures and the fears that threaten to tear them apart starring thomas jane and oscar-winning marcia gay harden in one of the year's most talked about performances The Mist is not only one of the best movies of 2007, it's one of the best horror movies ever made, period, says. Oh, okay. Says Mariana Johnson of The Flick Philosopher. Uh, I was hoping that that was just the back of the box (laughs) declaring it. I was about to be so astonished and proud of it. All right. Well, fellas, what do we think of The Mist 2007? I really, really, really like this movie. I have some issues with the ending of the movie. But overall, I really like it. I would give this four out of five stars. Same. This is a good film. I'm glad. I I can't believe I never saw it, actually. But again, I think I was confusing it with The Fog Forever. I was like, I've already seen the original back in 1982 or whatever (laughs) it was. I didn't see it then, but that's when it's from. Well, that's why I picked it, Mark. I had to rock your world, dog. Mm -hmm. You did a good job. Yeah, I saw this one in theaters, too. And uh, uh, I liked it then from day one. Probably not day one. Probably like week three. But around week three. (laughs) Fan. (laughs) Was this during your stint of working at a movie theater? Yes, 2007. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been. I would have still been working in a theater. So so you got to see it for free. It's I, even better. Yeah, it probably helped me enjoy this movie even more. <laughs> well, Garrett, why did you pick this one? Uh, I picked this one because I also went to it blind the first time I ever saw it. It was on sale on iTunes, and I was like, oh, you know what? I like Thomas Jane. Let's check this out. So uh, watched it. Was really shocked by the ending. Really enjoyed the the interplay between the characters. Had a lot of you know good character actors that we don't normally see. The character played Ollie, the guy who who was the the hit guy that becomes like enraptured in the uh, the religious lady stuff. He's been in some things. That'd be William Sadler. William Sadler. Uh, he was in it. I mean, again, it, it just kind of hit on some things for me. I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna give this a shot. Um, really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was paced really well. It's like a two hour movie, and it did not feel like two hours. Agreed. Yeah, I, it, it just rolled right by. I didn't, mm-hmm. when it was over, I was like, oh, okay, we're done. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen King and Frank Daramont. Yeah. William Sadler is the Grim Reaper in Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. What, I, what's what I knew him from. Fun fact brought to you by Grave Talk. Ted, what? Don't fear the Reaper. In the pantheon of Stephen King movies, where does this one fall? There's Top, too many. mid, bottom. <laughs> There's too uh, many to even begin. <laughs> well, the good news is most of them suck. So this is, I would say, near the top. I would say six years ago, I'd agree with you. They've been doing a lot of good ones lately. Gerald's Game was really good. yeah. The recent It was better than it had been before. Chapter one, yeah. Why do you have to say? Chapter two was great. In your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Like, going with the way that one and two play out, it was fucking bang on. All right. Well, let's not rehash this, but I'll say, okay, at the time it came out, you're right. There has been a bit of a renaissance in the Stephen King uh, filmatic universe. In the Tall Grass? Is that him or is that his kid? His kid kid. directed it. I don't know if it was based on something he wrote, though. Okay. John's got a Langoliers tattoo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Talk about bangers. Yeah, sure. Not that one. No. <laughs> this is the same guy that fucking stands for the stand, though. So I don't. Oh, the stand. Here that's top oh, tier. Oh, 90s TV was the best, dog. Oh. Well, they redid that. Was it any good? I haven't watched it Still, yet. Still, where I we know. go? What? See, this is what I'm talking about. That's years old. The I man know. will say shit without any context. Watching The Expanse, but you're not watching The Stand? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll make that trade any day. <laughs> Look, here's the difference, though. I reread The Stand quite regularly, and I think it's like a thousand fucking pages. Do you ever expected so, the change? No, but it's just a fun universe to revisit. Are you doing audiobook or you just physical I, No, read? I have a big old fucking copy from like the 90s uh, and uh, I just keep rereading it. It's really I, starting to wear. It's written but, on parchment and blood. I want to get into more reading, but the thing is, is they got all those things, what do you call them? Words. Yeah, a lot of lots words. Lots and lots of words. So I'm doing the audio version of the Legion right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I listen to audiobooks. I have nothing against those, but for the stand, since I already own it, actually I own it, it doesn't matter. But I also bought it on ebook version because the physical copy is gigantic. You can't really travel with it. In comparison, you said this one was under 150 pages? Yeah, it's, well, it's 154 or some shit. Okay, and you said it pretty much m- yes. mimics the story? Except for the ending, which you know, everyone who knows about this movie knows uh, Frank changed. Uh, it is almost spot. Like There are lines from the story that are in the movie, like dialogue or descriptional lines that they turned into dialogue. It follows the like step-by-step pretty, pretty accurately. It's just more, right? Because they had to turn a short story, a novella, into a full-length two-hour movie. So like, they added Sally. They added the army kid. Sally? Which one's Sally? The uh, checkout girl. Oh, okay. That whole plot, they added... The one that gets stung in the neck. Yes, that whole thing doesn't happen in the short story. Only one little okay. bug gets in. Uh, the army people, there's only two of them instead of three, so they added the one that we get to know. Little things like that to sort of flesh it out, but the structure is, I mean, oh, spot on. Are the creature descriptions similar? He doesn't spend a lot of time on, he describes it like very Lovecraftian, like, oh, there are things your mind doesn't want you to see, or he does mm-hmm. call one like a big scorpion, which we do see with Ollie, you know, and, and he does call them like spiders. So he gives like generic descriptions. That but, man has a fucking hard on for spiders. Yeah, I was going to say, it's spider. Yes. You know, when Pennywise turns into the giant bug. You know, one of the changes that I did like in the story, David and Amanda have an affair and that was left out of the movie. And yes. I think that was a great change. I don't think this David and Amanda. David's our main character. Amanda is who? The blondie? Lori Holden. Yeah. The one from Walking Dead. Yeah. Okay. The school teacher. Which I didn't know was in Walking Dead until like three quarters of the way through the movie. I did call like the mom who's like, I have to go get my kids. I was like, oh, that's that lady from The Walking Dead. She's also the cop from Silent Hill. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which would have been a year before this or a year or two before this. Yeah, and she picks good roles. Uh, <laughs> I guess. I agree. It didn't really add anything. I mean, the thing about Stephen King, I, I don't know how you'd made it this far and have never read him. He is fucking horny. All of his books have sex in them, and it's like unnecessary, doesn't add anything, and that is what happened. Like halfway through the novella, they go into the manager's office and just bang, because they're like, He's an HBO series. Basically, you're going to get some violence. You're going to get some banging. Guaranteed yeah. every episode. For so. no good reason. In the Tommy Knockers, there's a woman who uses a vibrator. And that's See? about a Well, a you spaceship. say no good reason, but there's a reason. There's a spaceship under a farmhouse story, but here we go. It's so weird the way he shoehorns it in. It's never really natural, and it was not natural in this novella. So. Write what you know, question mark? 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's just banging his way across he's a Maine. Playboy. <laughs> well, the first time I th- I saw this movie, I thought there was going to be a subplot where those two like hooked up, and I was like, "You don't even know if your wife is officially dead, bro." I was like, "Don't you dare! Your kid is there too, man." I was like, "Oh, th- please don't do this," and they didn't in the movie. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. that was unneeded, but they did kind of push this kind of love kind of thing with the cashier and the soldier. Yeah, I guess they transferred it mm-hmm. to them. But yeah, that works better, I think. Agreed. Well, how does this one kick off? It opens in, uh, in a world in a world where a man is painting and is making a, a great living as a painter. A movie poster painter. Yeah, in 2007. A very, very lucrative career. But I, he's... I, no, dude, there's still people out there that do that, and they actually still pay good money for that. Okay. Well, shows yeah. what I know. But the thing is, he has that whole that whole written self-insert of like, like, oh, what are they going to do if like, you know, you can't get it done in the, by the thing? They're like, oh, they'll just Photoshop two faces looking at each other, and it's like, there's a lot of self-referential, yeah. like, kind of um, takedown of the Hollywood, you know, art kind of, you know, community on that. Well, the movie poster he's working on is based on The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. I wondered if that was what that was. Mm. It's the gunslinger. It looked like it. And a huge storm is raging outside. And it's like, uh, I'd say... Class think, three, class yes, two. Yes, like the okay. most wild thunderstorm you've ever seen in your life. And so they're like, you know what? We need to go into the basement, which I respect that decision. It's the next morning they come out and... Everything is fucking wrecked. A huge tree has fallen into their house, destroyed all of his paintings. Into his studio. Into and his as studio. someone who has had a painting that I've worked on for many months, ruined, that is gut-wrenching. And let me ask you, did it destroy the original matte painting of The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing? Because that's one movie, of the ones yes, in there. In the movie, we're supposed to believe it. <gasps> Dude, he just lost a huge item in horror history, man. That's true. In movie history. And he's worried about the one he's working on? I'm like, bro... You got famous ones on your wall that are destroyed. But he's already That's the past, bro. Yeah. That's the past, man. We think about the future. Yeah, but we love living in the past as yeah. a society. That painting really tied the room together. It really so. did. <laughs> uh, his wife comes out and is like, oh, everything's insured. And he's like, still, it sucks. And I was like, it does suck. He's like, the tree. My grandfather planted this tree. She says that. And he's she like, says, oh, yeah. The tree. Your grandfather planted this tree. <laughs> and he's like, well, way to make it me feel worse. Jesus. He's, he's got this very kind of like, I don't want to say Buddhist, but this very kind of like, you know, positive, like kind of mindset of like, yeah, but we can always replant a tree. And then the kid runs up and is all like, dad, dad, you got to check this out. Our shit's been ruined. Yeah. <laughs> he's so happy to have <laughs> ruined things. Come look at the fucking boathouse. They're like language. Yeah. And they, they run down and the boathouse is jacked uh, a dead tree from his neighbor's property has fallen over and squished it squished it good mr norton yes who's the captain of brooklyn 99 oh that's who that is yeah which is really good for the first three seasons and then it just as most tv goes on too long yeah except for the wire r.i.p lance reddick yes r.i.p lance you will be missed god that dude was that dude's gonna hurt that's gonna hurt yeah, he's that good in everything. Hurt. Everything mm-hmm. he his position part was good in everything. I don't know that everything he was in was good. Dude, he loved the fans. He did so much shit. You name it, he was just rocking it. He was just having such a good ah, anyway. God yes. Was. He was the best part of that Resident Evil TV show playing Wesker. Oh, I didn't see that. True. Yeah. Wait, was it just me and you that watched it? I think so. Okay. Yeah, y'all turned me off to it when you said it was bad. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well. Never I'll mind. go back to watch The Expanse. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Listeners, go look up the Eric Andre Lance Reddick clip. I wish I would have evolved. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, back to the mist. We so meet the- Mr. Norton. He's chainsawing his tree. Well, he's and trying to chainsaw. Try, right, trying to start it. It won't start. 
So David walks up to him. They have some beef. Apparently, they were in a lawsuit about a property line, and Mr. Norton lost. So David is, is not a fan of this dude, and he told him to, to tear this tree down five years ago, but he's like, I'm going to be nice. So he goes over there, and he's like, hey, how about we just trade insurance information? David's uh, playing it cool. He's keeping it chill, but he's pissed that it's the tree, that it's this guy's tree that he told okay. to tear down. Turns out the tree, a tree has also fallen on Norton's car, and the, and his two men, they bond over this. He's like, damn, I really liked that car, too. It's a shame that that happened. It's like a 1980 Buick or something. Yeah, it didn't even seem like that nice of a car, no. but all right, I get it. It was a luxury motor vehicle. It's yes. a Mercedes, bro. Okay. All right. There you go. Buick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was a Ford Taurus. It was brown, so I assumed it was a Buick. I don't know. This is an Eldorado. Mercedes, like, hood ornament. Fair Remember enough. hood ornaments? Yeah, yep. man. So he's like, look, are you going to town? He's like, as a matter of fact, I am. You can come with me. And here comes mistake number one of the movie for me. Let's bring the kid. I fucking didn't need this kid in this movie. Yeah, he didn't do that much in the movie. I know. That's my point. He just was completely ancillary other than to have a kid present. And I was just like, oh, well, add danger to the moment. Yeah. Well, I think he was. I think they added him to this movie for the very end scene. I think they wanted that oh. to play out a very specific way. Was well, he, he in was, the novella? Yes, he definitely was in the novella. Okay. All of this is in the novella. I think he's there to ground David and yes. to give him like some hard stakes in why he doesn't just leave and go you know, rescue his wife. But you're right. Norton is starting to soften to David because he thinks his neighbor's finally being empathetic to a situation he's going through. So he's like, yes, let's go to town. Let's go to the grocery store, get some things. All the power throughout the town is out. Nobody's getting cell reception. And there's a fair amount of people, I'd say, at the grocery store. Yes. The food house. Yeah. So what it's called? That's what the, the grocery store is <laughs> called, the food house. I liked its sign. It was very retro. In this part, very believable. People often panic by after these kind of things. See anytime it freezes in Austin and you want to go to H-E-B. Right. Goodbye, toilet paper. Hope you got enough to wipe your butt with. Forever. And one thing we forgot to mention is as they're actually looking out over the um, the damage and stuff like that, we start to see a mist or a fog of some kind roll in over the hills because they're, they're lakeside. They've got it. They're like a lake, lake shore, lake viewed house or whatever. I don't know what the proper term is. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. But they're on see, the lake. You see that you see the this this fog and mist start rolling in over the lake, which is a great shot. It looked really cool. I'm like, oh, it's coming up from the mountains. I wonder what that is. And they kind of play it off as like a weather phenomenon. But uh, this is our first introduction to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the mist. The titular mist. He says the he says it's some kind of mist. Like five <laughs> minutes into the movie, I was like, "Yes, got I wanna, it." <laughs> I want to take his face off. It's one of those moments for you. Yes, it's great. Uh, and this, without going because they're so minor, but one interesting change in the novella: the mist, the line is straight. It is a straight, like think of like a more like a rectangle versus like fog rolling in, okay. and that oh. makes everyone very like confused. It's more otherworldly. Exactly. Whereas in the movie, it's much more like, you know, a fog or something rolling in. Well, I, I think thought that was, that was a cool. good change. I agree. In the same scene that they actually, they see the mist coming down over the hills. Um, uh, David says, I wonder if that's from Project Arrowhead. Like this is the first time we're introduced to the concept of Project Arrowhead, which is some kind of military thing being done up in the mountains. They don't go into detail at all about what it is, but they do mention it really early in the movie, which I thought was a nice little like subtle, like kind of like, ooh. And as they drive into town, you see a lot of military vehicles speeding by. So mm -hmm. it's like, hmm, what's going on with that? Something suspicious. So they go into the store. Uh, they're shopping around. 
As you do. It's chaos in there. You think there's any sales or anything been marked up? I think everything is uh, marked way up, way total. The good, the, the store owner, big time scalper. I don't think so. I think that they they care about their community. Blue light specials going on. Oh, Kmart. Haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think everything is part priced reasonably. It's a small town. This is a very small town in Maine somewhere. Right now with like... The the foods the food issues going on and stuff like that. Produce looks like fucking shit in stores at the moment. So like I was watching this movie and I was like, oh my god, all those apples look delicious. I was like so happy for like nice looking vegetables. Dude, I saw they had like beef shoulder for a dollar ninety nine oh, a pound. I, saw that sign too. I, was I was like, like oh that's a good price. <laughs> this price is that different we're in two thousand seven. We're fucking old. We're all I like, know. well that's a good price on pork shoulder. Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a good question. Is this set during modern times of when the film came out or was it set earlier? The movie or the, the movie? The movie, yeah, because they have the uh, David has a cell phone. Oh right, when okay. the novella take place? Same it, time? They don't give a specific year, but it must Modern. be in like the fifties or sixties because they make weird references. I actually had a very hard time identifying when the novella takes place. I would not say it takes place any later than nineteen eighty. Okay. So it's much, much further in the past. But I guess it wasn't that far in the past when he wrote this in the mid 80s. Right. So. so it was sort of modern at the yes. time. OK, OK. So it's supposed to always kind of take place in a, a somewhat modern era. So inside the grocery store, we've got a few soldiers who are about to go on shore leave, if you will, or whatever they call it. Yeah. Uh, an MP comes in and is like, it's been canceled. You got to come back to base. And they're like, what the fuck, man? 30 more minutes. We've been out of here. Inside also, we have this woman who's a very religious person carrying around a Bible. We got a couple of hicks, if you will. Some yeah, just locals. locals. Yeah. Locals. John, you know what? Get, put it up Bam. right there. <laughs> Stick up for our locals. Uh, like, they're wearing, like, These fucking hicks. And we're like, <laughs> you mean locals? You've got your, your employees working their butts off. Got to be a terrible time to be working at a grocery store. Yeah, they're doing all the, like, they have, like, a, a calculator that they're doing all the pricing with. I was like, yeah. oh, what a fucking Shout nightmare. out to Ollie for his positive attitude the whole time, being like, hey, you know what? It's been nuts, but, you know, people are doing what they got to do. He's in a good, he's in good spirits, all Ollie is the most gangster person in this whole movie. He's my MVP. Yes. Ollie's great. Really? Ollie, yeah. Ollie for MVP for you guys. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. All of a sudden, a siren sounds. Air raid siren. Silent Hill's rolling in. I fucking love air raid sirens it's creepy I do not know what mm -hmm. it is about it but you want to set the pace of like stop what the fuck you're doing it's go time air raid siren yeah do they does austin have an air raid siren we must not we have a uh, tornado siren in some areas okay but i don't know if it's still active anymore yeah i feel like i've never heard it i mean i guess that's good but <laughs> <laughs> other movies with good air raid sirens other than silent hill the time machine from 1964 Ooh. i knew you were going to mention that okay first time i ever heard it creepy all right. It's I can't when, think of them. It's when but... the Morlocks start coming out of the ground. Oh. I think Way I... off in the 28th century. Naturally, yeah. And they still use sirens in the 28th century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't think of any others, but I thought I'd bring it up. Okay. And then an earthquake happens. So that is an earthquake. I thought that was the opening of whatever was happening at Arrowhead. Uh, Good question. Yeah, we Could don't know. Either. Yeah. Okay, okay. So in the book, it's not clearly defined what it is. It's, it's described more or less as an earthquake. No, in, in, the in the book, it's really weird. They make a, a, a point that they don't make in the movie at all. They don't even think about it. At some point, people leave the store and the parking lot is slammed full of cars. And okay. one of the characters goes, hey, did you notice we didn't hear any cars crunching? I think all those cars are gone. And the implication is the ground has collapsed in 
and that's why the whole thing shook. Mm. But they don't mention that at all in the movie. Like, where did all those cars go? And I never thought about it until I read the short story, and then I was like, oh, that is a good point. There's no crunching. So, so if all the cars disappear in the novella, then what about the whole part of the movie we're trying to get to the car? past a certain point. Ah. Those are the first two rows of cars or whatever still there. Okay, yes, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, good question. And then the fog ro- starts rolling in. You can see it like, <clears throat> a little bit in the distance. And Ben. The mist. The, the mist. mist. Oh, good point. Yes, the mist, mist starts rolls rolling in. in. We're going to get uh, fucking sued. Yes, good point. Sorry. Here, hold on. Hey, Siri. What is the difference between a fog and mist? Mist and fog are caused by water droplets in the air, and the only difference is how far you can see. Oh. This has been your weather moment so this here is at the Grave Talk. Misnamed. This is much more a fog it's than a been mist. Misnamed. <laughs> it's a misnomer. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I definitely did that on purpose. So total plan. <laughs> so we're inside the store, and basically, as the, the the mist starts rolling in, a man bleeding from his face starts running up in sheer panic to the store. Runs inside the store, and he's like, "You gotta close it down, baby." There's something in the mist again. I was like, "Fuck, got him." He's yeah. like, "Something in the mist took you know Joe Johnson or whatever." It's like in Idiocracy. It's like brought to you by Carl's Jr. Every time they say the mist, they get paid for this movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he's like freaking out. He's like, something took Joe Johnson. And at this point, this is what I was sold on this movie. Like when this happened, I was like, oh, I am freaked the fuck out. Like I am down for whatever's about to happen because I didn't know they were bug monster things. This movie expertly gets you in mm-hmm. and keeps you there until the end. The movie doesn't even waste time at the beginning. Like, oh, lightning storm store. Now we're locked in. Now it's a survival tale. Yeah, we're maybe 20 minutes into a two-hour movie at this point, and shit's hit the fan. Like, it does not drag this process out. Mm-hmm. So they're they're freaking out. They're like, what do you mean? What You know, what's going on? And the mist comes in and closes off the parking lot. You can't right. see anything out of the store windows anymore. And you hear the people scream as they leave. Like, you hear some people like, like ah! You don't actually see anything. Well, before that even point. happens, um, what happens is they lock up the store, and inside is Carol from The Walking Dead going, yes. my kids are at home. I have to go home. You don't understand. I told the eight-year-old yeah. to watch the two-year-old or whatever. It was like, oh, bad mom. And it reminded hey, hey, me. Hey, hey, hey. I have watched my younger sibling at that age before, okay? Yeah, but her decision-making skills are uh, lacking. Questionable, yes. She's yeah. like, I said it'd be only 15 minutes. Like, lady, did you come to this store and look around? You probably should have just turned around and gone home then. I shit you not. True story. At my old job, there was a woman working on the same floor as me, and I heard her say, the dog is watching the baby. <gasps> The dog <laughs> is watching my baby. That's the t-shirt right there. What the The fuck? dog is watching the baby. That is exactly what I said out loud and to everybody within earshot. Hell yeah. God <laughs> damn. You know what the, no, I can't beat that. That's the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard. Yeah. But she goes home, the dog's like, what'd you expect, Tammy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm a dog. Kid the, was fine, went to bed at eight. He was crying, so I pooped next to the crib. <laughs> I'm dogs, all done here. As dogs do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you remember when you were a kid and you'd go to the grocery store and your mom would put you in line and then go off to do some other bullshit, God knows where, on another planet somewhere? I forgot the chicken thighs. Yes. Wait in line. And then the terror would set in as you were like coming up next. You're like, I don't have a wallet. Oh, yeah. They're <laughs> definitely going to arrest me as she had to go to fucking Timbuktu to get this chicken breast. <laughs> They're going to arrest me. I love how John's mind works. You made a little tiny seven year old John getting put in handcuffs because yeah. he. 
just went through the line. <laughs> I think uh, I'm pretty sure that's where my anxiety sort of started. So uh, thanks, mom. Yeah, uh, oh, that does not happen in this wow. movie. Wow, mine was my experience was getting yelled at because I was so good at Street Fighter at a young age. She was like, "Let's go," and I'm like, "I'm still using my quarter," and she's like, "I don't care," and I was so mad that I didn't get to finish my game. Oh yeah, you get dragged off those machines mm-hmm. if you played for too long. Meant nothing to parents. Nothing. Nope. <laughs> Bison lives again this day. Yeah. Speaking of getting dragged it off. It was a Tuesday. It was, I would say it was a Tuesday, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she's like, well, no. Nope, store talk. Yeah. She's like, well, nobody see a, a lady home. And she looks at everyone and they all avert their eyes. And I mean, David rightly says like, hey, woman, I've got my own kid here that I have to take care of. I'm not following you outside into whatever this mist could be. True. And she's like, fine then. And she walks into the mist. And they've heard one scream at this yes, point. They've, one guy ran out. He's like, fuck this. I'm going home. And he gets like, ah, off in the mist. And we don't know what happened to him. That's why everyone's kind of hesitant to go help, you know, Carol from The Walking Dead. Right. Because mm-hmm. in the initial panic, some people did leave the store. They're like, uh, I'm getting the fuck out of here, which I cannot blame them. Realistically, that's probably what I would have done. Why would I think to hunker down in the store? Yeah. So And everybody's kind of going through their own version of shock, right? Like mm-hmm. Billy is sucking his thumb and crying. You know, he's and the de- David's like, I haven't seen him do this in years you know there's an old lady she was a teacher she was the teacher yeah. that was all like didn't i have you in my class back in 78 or some shit like that and always like, a slacker yeah. irene <laughs> irene is the character's irene. name she's just talking a mile a minute you know just trying to keep your wits about mm-hmm. you I, mean, I don't know what i would do in this situation you know it'd be crazy yeah i'd like to think i'd be like uh david and keep my head on my on uh, my shoulders but i probably wouldn't i probably would have died in as usual, first by leaving, the, I would have left the store. Not you, when the you mist definitely would have. You definitely would have left the store. Not when the mist rolled in, but like at, they, before we knew the mist was dangerous, I probably would have been in that group of people who was like, "I got to get home," you know. Definitely. So at some point, David thinks he needs to go back into the stock room. What he was the for, reason for that? Yeah. So Ollie's coming around checking on everybody, and he's like, "Hey, do you have a blanket?" And Ollie's like, "Oh yeah, we have the Move, pads, moving pads, yeah, in, in the, the back, in the back." So he goes back there and sees that the generator is backing up into the store, and so he turns it off. And then it becomes, this is one of those movie things where you have to suspend your disbelief some because it becomes pitch black for him. So black that he walks right into the door frame. It becomes a Mr. Bean movie. He starts tripping and hitting (laughs) everything and he's just like, whoa. It's like, oh man. But in the, like when you're watching the movie, it is perfectly well lit. You can very clearly see everything he's running into. Well, don't forget though. When you turn off lights after that, your eyes need a moment to adjust. So Fair. maybe it is darker for him than it is. All right, I'll give you the that movie viewer. And as he's groping around in the dark, he hears a very ominous, not great sound from outside, and sees the loading dock door kind of flex in, and uh, it's like fuck this. And it's a giant steel loading dock door. Yeah, yeah. and he skedaddles. Meanwhile, there's a woman, Mrs. Carmody. She's been reciting biblical verse. Uh, just kind of being a nuisance. It's like, can you just be quiet? We're all freaking out here and you're just making it worse. She will continue to make it worse. Dude, that actress nails this role. She is like, I mean, nails on a chalkboard to me and I despise this character and I was like, you did such a great job because the actress disappears and I'm just like, fuck this lady. Absolutely. Kudos to her. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Kudos to her. Fuck that lady. (laughs) She did exactly what the character asked for. Exactly. David comes back out and he's kind of shooken up. And I think our our customers, Jim and Maurice, I think is the two characters' names. It's something. And Todd, the stock boy too. Yeah, they're coming. Norman. Norman, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. They're coming to, and Ollie, they're all coming to see what happened to the generator. Because all the power went out. Right. So they're coming in as he's going out and he's like, tell me y'all heard that noise. 
And they're like, we didn't hear shit. They're and trying to play it really cool, though, too. Like, not call him a liar. And he's like, it's not like you're calling me a liar. And they're like, no, we're not calling you a liar. We just don't believe you. <laughs> he's like, did you hear this noise before or after you turned the lights off? He's like, after. But he's like, you got scoop buddy. I get it. We Scabooked? all get scooped. I meant to say scooped. They're trying to keep it professional here. Or okay. spooked. Yeah, spooked. I thought you Spook said it. scooped. Scooped. He got scooped. What is he, ice cream? <laughs> he said scoop too. Yeah, no, let, oh. let Sean work through it. It's fine. He got spooked. S-P, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> That's not how you spell spooked. <laughs> no wonder I did shitty in English tests. <laughs> One thing I really love about this scene, though, and, and something that, like, on my, my third watch of this movie that really stuck out to me is, you know how sometimes writers, when they write, like, um, ensemble casts, everyone sounds the same. Everyone has the same kind of, like, uh, mm-hmm. cadence and stuff like that, except for, like, he's the hick, so he talks with an accent, or, you know, she's a religious person, so she always says Jesus. This movie does a really, really good job of every character feeling uniquely their own and not just based off stereotypes or over-exaggerated features. Every, everyone has their own unique way of like expressing and uh, responding to different situations. I really respected that because you you take that for granted in ensemble cast, but when it's really well written, man, it really comes through. That's a yeah, that's a good point. So Jim and David have a real like city folk versus country folk kind of thing going on. He's like, you don't tell me what to do. You fancy pants Hollywood painter. I know what's going on it's here. It's so weird. It's because they're all stressed. So it makes sense in the context of the movie. But he's like, just because you got connections in New York and Hollywood, that don't make you know better than me. Like, what? That, well, that has because, nothing to do. Well, it's because Norton and uh, David are both outsiders because Norton summers there or something like that. Because he's like, I come out to the property every yes, now and he's then. In a, that's true. And David just moved out there. And yeah, he's city Hollywood. And you know. We got to hate city Hollywood people. Right. So basically our group of locals want to go out and clear the vent so they can turn the generator back on, get power going. And David's like, look, no, guys, there's something out there. I swear to God. I swear to God, you don't want to go out there. And they're like, never you mind. We're going to go ahead and take care of this. They open the shutter. And then the thing that really got me is Norman, the bag boy, starts immediately talking shit. Yeah. He's like, pussy fucking little bitch i'm gonna go out there and do it myself and he's like norman buddy you're like 17 bro he's like 80 pounds wet yeah Yeah, he's like dude is do me a favor stay inside and he's like you're a pussy whatever i volunteer to go out there and then what happens uh pretty much as soon as the e is done talking shit a tentacle comes and wraps itself around norman's leg this movie becomes a hentai from 1 to 60 in 2.5 seconds. <laughs> and all of his uh, uh, braggadocio-ness is gone. He's like, get it off me! What the fuck is it? Ah! To be fair, a tentacle will humble you really fast. Hell yeah, but also, you're talking a lot of shit, dude. He tried to warn you. Yeah, and I was like, you deserve every second of this pain. Wow. You walked into it. Hey, look, consequences. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Hey, I'm sorry, Trump. There's consequences. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here Preach we it. go. Yeah. Norman <laughs> fucked around and he found out. Yeah, this is true. This so is true. everyone freezes, basically, except for David, who runs to try and rescue him and basically doing a tug of war with mm-hmm. this tentacle. And they're no joke, dude. They're like needles and pins on this, this uh, tentacle. And it's Ugh. tearing away Norman's flesh. Yeah. At first, it just wraps around him. And then it kind of discovers like, oh, I could just eat him. And uh, the sound and the visuals when it tears the flesh from his uh, thigh and then his chest. Think, think a, a an octopus's tentacle with the, the suction cups, but around the suction cups are barbed teeth that actually when they like suck on, they dig in. And so when it 
off of the body, it rips chunks of flesh off of you, like little like divots out of your body. And that's happening to Norman while he's getting fucked up. And um, it's it's pretty intense. Like the gore is righteous at mm-hmm. this scene. And the tentacle at this point still looks pretty good. Like for a 2006, 2007 movie, this is a pretty decent effect. There's some moments when he's hopping over a piece of the tentacle. It's like, eh, when that's Ollie a little rough. Over, you can tell the green screen. They didn't quite yeah. have the, the spacing, you know, set up yet. But um, it was 07. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the only part of the CG work that looked kind of off. I think going forward, when we get the pterodactyl turkeys, pluck yeah. chicken things. Perfect. Look good. They I'm do a good job, that. except for when it, the one that lands on uh the lady later of just sort of showing it so quickly. You don't, you don't get mm-hmm. to see yeah. uh, what it looks like, but, but the visuals more or fine. less hold up in yeah. 2023, but they finally realize like, we got to get Norm out of here. Yeah. We got to get this tentacle out of here. We shut the shutters again. So Ollie like wakes up and he runs and gets the, the ax and axes the tentacle, but it doesn't really help. Cause at this point, like three more had come in and poor Norm gets dragged off into the fucking mist. I love when he's getting dragged off. He hits his head on the shutter and passes out for a couple seconds. Like I did not see that coming. I was like, that was pretty funny. Like, yeah. He wakes up. He's like, Oh God, help. But <laughs> it's and, still happening. <laughs> and what should have happened is David looks at Norm and goes, who's the pussy now? Ooh, <laughs> that would have been a different character. David, David needed three minutes of, I fucking told you so. No, he deserved David's it. character. He though. deserved it though. He if it was me, it, there would have been three minutes of, I fucking told he you does, so. Does though. He and you would have been next to be taken out the shop. (laughs) (laughs) He beats the shit out of that one guy. Right. Jim gets punched several times. He's like, I told you not to send the kid out. You're on his death is on your hands, dude. Yeah. So he's a kid. He's supposed to be stupid. What's your excuse? I was like, damn, that's a, that's a biting insult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then they're like, okay, we a little cannot, more composed than I would have been. Agreed. Yeah. But David's like, look, we can't tell the people out there yet. Like you two, he sends the two locals out. Just go stand out there. And he talks with Ollie. Well, because I don't know if we said, but the, the shutter gets shut down and cuts a piece of the tentacle off. So there's a there's a tip of the tentacle sitting in the back room. The door is now shut. Yeah. And then, yeah, they send him out. And as John was saying, like he's like, don't cause a panic yet. Right. And what made sense to me is David's like, hey, let's go tell Norton. He mm-hmm. kind of has his head on his shoulders like he's because Norton's kind of gathering members of the grocery store at this point to kind of fortify, get supplies, try to decide exactly is the mist a virus? Like what is going no, on? Norton's like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Norton wants to gather people to leave. Right. But I think we're still he's, in that. He's, he's like a leader position. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he definitely. thinks like, okay, if this person is, tells them like the crowd, he can do it in a way that won't freak everybody out. Yeah. Well, because Norton's wanting to like take people and get them out there. That's when David's like, no, nah, we should stay here. And that's where the, the big, I think this is the break between them, right? This is where the, the initial like... Right. So they go get Norton and they're like, hey, dude, we need to tell you something. Come over here. We're going to tell you in, in confidence here. He's like, there's some fucking tentacles coming out from the back. You got to come check it out. And Norton's like, all right, what are you idiots trying to do? Is this a joke? Yeah. He like doesn't believe him. He's like, you're trying to take the piss right now, more or well, less. Okay. This is what drove me nuts is because he takes the leap from like, oh man, this crazy thing's happening to all you locals have gotten together to pull one over on the city boy. And I was like, bro, do you know how much time and effort it would take to do this? It's like, I, they don't have that kind of time. You it know? was a bit of a jump. However, if someone told me there's some sort of Kraken trying to get into the back <laughs> of the grocery store, I would probably not believe it. But I would go look. Yes. And I th- what I think we're seeing is his defense mechanism. These are all oh, people's absolutely. various like ways of how they're just trying to close their mind around this sort of like eldritch horror that's around them. Right. So to him, he's like, I'm just going to stick in the here and now. And I'm not even going to 
open or uh, be open to the idea that there could actually be a monster out there. This is bananas and they are just making fun of the outsider. Well, that's what this movie is. Honestly, it's not a monster movie. It's not a survival movie. It's a study in humanity. It's yes. a study in like how people react and how easily, you know, like, you know, and, and this movie is peppered with like little one liners from different characters. Like, like, you know, people are inherently good. It was like, that was before, you know, like, or people naturally will fall apart within five seconds when you take away this, this, and this. And I mean, so at the, at the heart of this movie, it is, is a study in like, you know, survival humanity, but man, they do such a good job of peppering in with like legitimate, like horror and moments. Cause I forgot about the pharmacy. Which oh, we'll talk that's about like later, one of my favorite but. scenes. Absolutely. And totally agree, Garrett, to your point. I think this movie does the whole humans are the enemy a million times better than 99% of zombie movies that try to do the same thing. Well, cause you know what I think this is the, it, it, they don't, do, I don't think they do the humans are the enemy. I think they do. The humans are flawed and are not really designed to handle this, you know, yeah. like, and I so they don't, that. they don't paint them out to be the bad guys. They paint them out to be like, well, they're not meant to survive. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, damn. And that's the, that's the, that's the bitter pill you have to swallow in this movie all the way up to, you know, the end of the film is, you know, you just really have to be like, if you guys could just have just stopped being yourselves for a moment, taking yourselves out of the, you know, taking yourselves a backup, a pace, everyone would have survived. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't know, because what happens later on and how that plays out is a little more instinctual, I think, than people just being themselves. You're talking about the religious thing? or Yeah, yeah we'll that person a is a bad person, but we're about to get, yeah. So this ruckus between Norin and, and the rest of the gang has drawn the rest of the store over. So Ollie steps up and he's like, fine, I'll do this. He's like, look, I don't want to scare people, but there's some wild shit outside and you don't want to go out there. And then I love how his boss comes over. He's like, stand down. Yeah. Like there's some sort of order on the employee chart at this point. He's like, are you drinking? I'm taking names. I'm writing all your and Molly's like, fine, write your names down. And they rightfully so had a Budweiser after this yeah. experience. I'm sorry. I'd probably need a fucking shot or two myself. A hundred percent. Do you think they have to eat the food for free? You think if you just busted open a bag of chips and just started going for it, they'd yes. be like, yeah, all right, that's cool. I think at this point, we're probably at free <laughs> uh, food. <laughs> totally. And I think it's that, you know, to like we said, it's just how he, this, this boss is just trying to maintain what he knows, this order, right? So him and another individual, like a biker guy, do we ever learn his name? No, but that dude's awesome. He is He's awesome. one of the ones that tells the religious lady to shut up later on. He's like, man, you need to shut the fuck up. He's yeah. like, I believe in God too, but I don't think he's the dick you do. I was like, sweet. <laughs> Beautiful. So they're like skeptics. They're like, we don't believe this shit. So they, they agree to go back and look at the tentacle. But I love that Ollie tells his boss to shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you need to shut the fuck well, up. No, he says, you can go ahead, write your names down. Until then, shut the fuck up. And yeah. I was like, damn, dude. And you actually, this is the first point we see that the, um, the hierarchy of... Um, power is starting to fall apart. Yeah. Again, th this movie is so good about like subtly like chipping away at these things that make humanity humanity. And it's just piece by piece. It starts dropping away and showing how you can't tell who's going to step up in a disaster. Cause like back in the loading dock scene, you would have thought it would have been loudmouth Jim or somebody who would have snapped to action and got the ax. But instead it was Ollie while they just sat there muttering the two locals who had, like were all brash before. And you see Ollie coming out of the shadows here again, so I was like, man, awesome to watch Ollie step yeah, up. Yeah, paper man syndrome. So Ollie's manager and a couple others go to the back to investigate this quote unquote tentacle that's Tenta laying on the ground. I gotta say, tentacle does sound like a made up word though. It's hard to take anyone talking about tentacles seriously. True. But they go back and they see it and mm -hmm. then they, they touch it and it turns into 
ash or something, right? Like, it, like it, liquid. Yeah, it yeah. melts away. It goos itself. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it had like enough ner- like a nervous response, like remaining nervous response and melts. Which was- makes me believe more and more that the mist is actually just Mountain Dew, Code Red. Oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, just kidding. Or Sierra Mist, if you will. Yeah. Did they do the do? I don't know. <laughs> That's why those monsters are all jacked up. They're all <laughs> yeah. excited. And still to this day, Taco Bell holds ransom Baja Blast. They do. Let us have it in can form, damn it. You know, the mist is the what... The podcast ha- was a buildup just to this one demand. <laughs> I've been wanting it for years. The mist is what happens when you try to can Baja Blast, okay? Why wasn't there a Project Arrowhead? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they couldn't control that kind of flavor, and look what happened. <laughs> Another soda-related thing. Why didn't Sierra Mist get a tie-in on this thing? Yeah, there was a Pepsi vending machine, so they could have, you know, cracked... Been- Not all mist is bad, and then drank a Sierra <laughs> It's right there. Yeah. Pepsi Holy Cola, what are you doing? Shit, you guys. So so the people who have seen the tentacle run back out and they're like, okay, this is real. And Norton, who refused to go back, is still like, I'm not buying it. The the manager, like, I mean, props. He goes, we may have a situation of some magnitude here. I was like, wow, you thought that you thought of that sentence on the way out? Way to go, dude. I would have been like, y'all, we are fucked. And again, yeah. me in this situation would have another minute to gloat and be like, I fucking told yeah. you so. Look at the tentacle. Look at it, Look bitch. at it, We're damn kicking it. Mark out the door like, you <laughs> shut the fuck up out there. Well, we know who's getting uh, excapated or whatever. <laughs> expiated. Expiated. Which yeah. I had to write down because I didn't know what that meant. Me but, either. Um, speaking of expiated, this is where the movie starts to take a different little bit of a turn because we cut to the uh, religious woman... Um, Car- Cardani. Carmody? Carmody. Mrs. Carmody. Mrs. Carmody. Carmody. Hold and on, hold she on, is hold on. The religious nut. Mrs. Carmody. Mrs. Yeah, Carmody. She's a missus. Somebody married her. Imagine that. She's a widow now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, she's in the bathroom with a match, like basically praying to God. And she's like, guide me, make me your vessel. I know you've chosen me to like lead these sinners to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because she's convinced this is the rapture. You know, yeah, she's, she keeps saying death. The myth, mist is death. And so she's in there having her little like sermon and talk with God. And I do. Oh, my God. Pet peeve. Number one. Why is it every nobody thinks that God chooses them? Aren't they going to go with the Pope or someone with power, someone that people will listen to? And why do they always think it's them that's the chosen one? But when a homeless man's in the street, like, like, oh, God told me to blank. And they're like, that's bullshit. It's. It's mm. oh god, it drives me crazy. But anyway, she thinks that she's been chosen. She's the one that's going to lead them to righteous, you know, whatever the fuck she thinks they're going to lead them to. And as she's saying this stuff, and you can tell she's starting to kind of crack. The door opens up, and the um, Amanda, yeah, Amanda comes in, and she's like, "Hello, is anyone in here?" <laughs> she's like, "Oh, hey, I didn't hear you." And she's like, "Hey, just if you're scared, Amanda goes, if you're scared, you know, just know that we all are. I'll be your friend." And she's like, "If I want a friend, I'll." pull my pants up and shit one out on the floor that's better than you and then leaves and I'm like wow that's a fucking cold ass insult there's something there that unfortunately does exist where religious people who are supposed to be following the teaching of Christ and let's go ahead and point this out real quick for our listeners who may be religious not all people correct this way but these characters that we're discussing now for someone who knows the Bible in and out of this character supposedly does she does not act Christ-like at all, which is part of the whole teaching. Yeah. Turn the other cheek. Instead, she's a vile woman. I think she's more Old Testament. And they do say that. Yeah. But they wrote the New Testament to counteract the Old Testament. You cannot discount the New Testament if you are a religious Christian. Correct. 
the I, old I, testament. You're the but, tenant of the whole fucking thing, bro. And a lot of your end of days stuff is in the revelations. That's the end of the New Testament. Yeah. So if you're pulling from that, you're cherry picking. Mm-hmm. You're cherry picking the parts of the Bible that you want to follow. You cannot do but that. But this happens with so much shit. I mean, look at the I constitutionalists. They're like, oh, the right to blah, blah. And it's like, yo, right. if you really look what the fuck that says. You cannot cherry pick the book that you're going to follow. It's all or none. Yeah. That's my opinion. Any kind of doctrine you have to, you cannot do that. But that's what so many people do. And it doesn't, it's not just a religious thing. It's everything. It's, yeah. Yeah. Man, it's wild. I definitely agree. And I think like she's a good example of people who miss that pride as a sin. Because <laughs> oh, I think that's too. what she falls into is this like, she's, she becomes this person who's like, God is directly talking to me, like Garrett said, and I can see into the future, this, that, and the other. And she becomes very prideful, which uh, I guess pride leads to the fall. So she goes, there's only one God. And I was like, Crom would disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Also, she's walking around talking to all the patrons of the, uh, the grocery store. And she even touches some girl's face. And if that were my kid, you'd be hit with a bag of dog food. We wrote that down. Cause like she goes up and grabs this little like girl's face. And she's like to save your daughter. And like, if someone touched my daughter after saying some shit like that, I please like smack. Yeah. Get the fuck back. That mom is too chill. Cause she goes on this rant. It's, it's, it's a little later in the film. It doesn't really matter where she's like, you, everyone's dying because of all the sins of humanity. Even and they're like, Oh, you're scaring the kids. And she's like, good. They should be scared because they're so pure, except they got tainted by modernity. So they're all fucking dead. And then, yeah, she's like touching this kid's face and shoulder. And I was like, good. No, thank you. And from out of the crowd, someone hits her with a can of dog food. And I was like, thank you. That was awesome. And they're like, you need to shut the hell up. You're scaring everybody. I think it's the old lady. Yeah, it is the old lady. Yeah, it's Irene, the teacher. She's like, she's like, I know, I know God, and he's not like you say. Shut the fuck up. And Irene is my second MVP. Love her. She's She's like, I got a whole lot of cans over here. (laughs) (laughs) She says it's. But again, everyone's written so well and so uniquely, and I really just cannot get over the fact that you know you don't feel like it's the same character talking. Everyone, you, and when someone dies, you uniquely feel for their their specificity of like what they brought to this group, and when that goes away, you actually see that dissipate as some of these characters like die and stuff like that you see the religious um mrs carmody have an end to start taking over you know like it's it's interesting how it all like is balanced in that way and that's kind of what i was referring to is when you were saying like the humans uh are the enemy or the villains Mm -hmm. of of the film right um where if you stop being yourselves i think what happens is as desperation sets in and fear sets in like an instinctual look for a resolution or whatever, hope, if you will, or whatever, is what humans tend to gravitate towards. And this is exactly what happens here as she starts to turn the the grocery store over to this religious zealot belief. Yeah, you start to see people sort of divide into these camps, right? So they got uh, Mr. Norton, whose camp is, I don't believe any of this, this is all bullshit, the mist is fine, we are going to leave and, and we'll get to that point in a second. Then there's sort of David's action camp and they decide to try to fortify the store. And then there's, you know, pragmatic, the, good thinking. Yes. Yeah. And then there's the Mrs. Carmody who's like, yo, this is all Jesus. And it's the, a wash, except the fact what's going to happen. We deserve this. Yeah. Fire and brimstone, except it. it's time. And the first of these camps is about to leave the movie. So they fortify the store and Norton finally is like, look, me and my people are leaving. These people could use Toastmasters because honestly, when they're, they're stating their, their, their cases, 
They're so bad. They like just yeah. discount everyone saying like, they're like, you're over there wasting time putting dog food bags by the windows and I'm going to basically get us out of here. I would have been like, hey, thank you guys so much for doing those dog food bags. While you're doing that, we're going to go ahead and try this. Like, you know, like you don't have to discount yeah. someone's thing and make an enemy out of them to still get your way. You guys in the Alpo group, Y'all are dumb. <laughs> We're leaving the store. We're going to go get help. Don't worry. We'll help you idiots yeah, out. There's so, more or less Norton's camp. Right. And yeah. the biker guy sort of joins in with them and he's like, uh, uh well, he uh, wants to go to the car to get a gun. Yes. I was, yeah, I was like, shit, we missed that point. They also gather all the firearms and turns out Amanda has a revolver. She has a fucking clutch with a huge pistol and two full like clip mags or like what not mags. I'm sorry. I don't know the exact term, but like bullets on a round. Yeah, thing. they're like quick, uh, quick loads, whatever. Yeah, but for her like, you know, revolver. And it's like you couldn't fit anything else in your purse other than maybe like a chapstick and a key. You know, so heavy. That thing looked so heavy. Well, she said, dad told me to have this on me because she's new to town. She's a new person. I think she was like a teacher. Yeah. Which. At first, when the movie plays out, I was like, this character turned into a mother character way too fast. Mm-hmm. But knowing that she was a teacher, that makes more sense. She's the new third grade teacher because Irene retired. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah. Missed that part. Well, uh, that's good that re- Irene got to retire. Good yeah. for her. And that's in the movie. In the, in the novel, she's just a person. Gotcha. Okay. So Norton and his crew of about four or five head out and they're out in the mist. And they tie a rope around the biker guy who, to go get the uh, the gun. Was that a different scene? I think that was after Norton's team gets like killed. Because no, he's the, part of Norton's crew. Oh, he crew. is part of Norton's crew. Okay, yeah. So he's like... They're going to use it as a tether. Basically, right. like, you're going to go in the mist. We're going to hold about 300 feet of rope. And then if something happens, we'll pull you back in. <laughs> That's a solid plan, I suppose. But it does not, unfortunately work so he gets out there and the, the tether keeps going keeps going keeps going and then suddenly i mean it just goes and they get the probably the worst rug burn on their hand immediately i'm watching all these people hold on ropes like well there's rope burn waiting yeah. to happen and also when when all the uh slack is pulled out of the rope it goes up into the sky yeah. for a moment and then yeah. drops yeah and so i'm whatever, like well yeah whatever has it lifts something up in the air and they keep trying to pull them back which i get and i'm sure if i were there i'd be in the same thing but once you see it go up y'all like nothing good is happening <laughs> out there <laughs> well maybe he's in the back of the camper yeah. <laughs> nope did he find a last so they start pulling it back in and a great visual is when that white rope goes red and everybody in the grocery store is like, oh, <laughs> oh and they, no. And they keep pulling it and then it cuts to outside and you see the rope is still tied around the lower half of his body, like his waist and legs, but the whole well, upper half. belt loops. That's butt why. Loop, yeah, yeah. Okay, good call. And his whole torso and head though, gone. And so yeah. they drag it out front of the door and then they just leave it out there. Why well, because everyone sees it. And they're like, ah, uh, shit. And so at this point, they know it is officially go time. There's no walking out of this place. We get a fade to black and then we come up. Which was weird. I did. It was a little weird. Yeah, they do it twice in this yes. movie. And it takes me out every time. It's supposed to show passage of time, but it doesn't play out super well. No. Or I guess they could have put, even though that would have been cheesy too, but it would have been very early 2000s. Now, like, okay, it's 12 a.m. or whatever. Some sort of text on the screen. I, I like that they didn't go that route, but the fade to black, we had had nothing like that in the movie yeah. since. So it was just kind of like, huh. And it didn't feel like time had passed the first time it did. The second time, we, he wakes up from being asleep. Yeah. So that works. But the first time I was like, what the, did we just edit something out? It was really weird. But now it's nighttime, which I guess they just didn't want to show them continuing to pile bags of dog food in front of the plate glass window. Right. More fortification. They're setting up floodlights to batteries. Um, really just like, cause now they don't know what's going on even more so. And they know it's deadly. We've got our proof. 
Right. And they, Mrs. Carmody at, at, early in the film was like, they're going to come at night and they're going to get one of y'all. So that got, that has them all on, on edge. And we also didn't mention throughout this whole movie, just imagine Billy's crying somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually does one smart thing that Billy does. And the only thing he's useful for is he goes up to our soldiers, which we haven't mentioned since he goes up to him and is like, Hey, why don't you guys help? Why don't you call your buddies? And they're like, uh, radio doesn't work, kid. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't really, because it's a good question. It's like, why aren't these soldiers more active in kind of the gathering and protection part? Yeah, they don't really do anything. So, yeah. This is complaint two of the movie I have. And again, I don't have many of them, but complaint two is we really wish they would have focused a little bit more on having the military guys be a little bit more involved with the patrons of the store, even if it was like, you know, under the false guise of like, oh, we're here to help or, you know, like, oh, hey, yeah, we don't know anything. We can't do anything. But to have them interact because they they go and huddle and they're separate almost the whole movie. And it's like no one in the store would have been like, what the fuck are these douchebags doing over there? Why aren't they helping move dog food? Or, you know, like I, I just felt very awkward that the military got a pass until they were needed. Yeah, it's even worse in the short in the novella because they the beginning they're like oh yeah and these two military people are here and then halfway through it's like oh and now they're dead. <laughs> oh, weird. They never like come up in the story at all. Like, well, it, but to Mark's point, that was a very good scene of yes. like Billy like basically like kind of pulling them back in and be like, hey, how come how come the military doesn't help? We saw tanks out there. Like, why are we not getting assistance? It's a good reminder that like all radio and everything seems to be down. Yeah. We find out that Private Jessup and Sally, the cashier, have a history, or at least they went to school together. Yeah. And they end up go banging it out in the back. Well, they, they want to bang it they out, don't. but they don't. She's, She's like, like, I didn't expect it to happen at the back room of a shitty grocery store. And I was like, well, lower them expectations, lady. For her because yeah. she should have banged it out because, boom, in a couple minutes, she's going to be deadsville. Yeah. In a great scene setup, we have somebody sitting at the front window by the dog food bags trying to eat a chicken wing. Yeah. And then from out of nowhere, this giant fucking bug just goes to talk against the window. And I was like, oh, shit, that was it's forced perspective because he's looking out in the mist and he sees like it looks like the size of like a a horse fly. You see it floating out there. So you think it's by the window where the light is and these bugs are against the window. But then it zooms at you and you realize it was just off in the distance. And so it forced perspectives like runs in on you. And this bug is like a foot, foot and a half long. Yeah, massive. And. These look really good for CG. Mm-hmm. I thought these were fantastic. I had no complaints. It still holds up today. And you see one and everybody's like, holy shit, what is that? We get Chekhov's stinger. One of them goes, look at the stinger of that bug. I was like, really? Did we need that? But okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, plink, 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 plink. We got all kinds of bugs coming at the window. And uh, my mo- my first thought was, oh no, here's Mrs. Carmody's more, more ammo for mm-hmm. the end of times. You know, the locust is one of the plagues. It's going to be pestilence. One of the four horsemen. something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, here we go. And at the point in the movie, I was like, is this movie actually turning into a rapture story? Because again, I hadn't seen it or watched the trailer. didn't really know about the novella going in. Okay. That would have been a nice twist. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't want it to happen. I I I don't want the religious cult leader to be right. (laughs) We wouldn't expect it because in movies, we were taught not to think that that's the case. But yeah, that would have been. Well, when we get to the end, remind me, there is a very strong fan theory that she is right. Okay. We'll we'll talk about that. Yes. Then more of these bugs start hitting the window. And uh, And how come no one living in the country was like, oh, they're attracted to the light. Well, David does or somebody. Then Jim runs by and turns on all the lights or something. Well, okay. So that actually is fair because the whole thing was is if something goes down, we have all these lights on generators. We can see what's going on. But the thing is they didn't communicate clearly and loudly enough. So Jim runs back there, starts kicking all the torches on. He must have only heard lights. Yeah. It was definitely a failure of communication. Yeah. And then they're like, oh shit. And as that's happening, as they're turning on the 
lights in the back. A giant, as you called it, what do you call it? A pluck turkey pterodactyl thing? Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. With four wings. Amazing. Oh, it had the oh, four wings. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Like swoops in and eats one of the bugs. So now we're starting to see a um, like an ecological like hierarchy of predator and prey mm-hmm. existing in this mist. And, the, and this I was on board for. I was like, oh, there is a whole ecosystem out in this mist. And I, I had no idea how big the monsters were or what it was. So like, yeah. you're slowly escalating. You're like, Oh shit, we got little pterodactyls. Like this is wild. And they start smashing these bugs, trying to eat them and they're hitting the glass. And as this happens, one of them actually breaks through the, the front pane window and now things can get inside. So the bugs are jumping inside. The pterodactyls are inside. This is the definition of bedlam. Yeah. Cause that's what happens. Shit Siri, pops off. What is the definition of bedlam? No, <laughs> the scene from the mist when, <laughs> So it's too much all happening at once. So I guess we can kind of break it into sections. Let's the, just talk about the kills. Okay. Honestly, everyone's First doing their thing. First kill is the turkey ducking thing. The turducken <laughs> lands on a guy and just rips the back of his neck right off. And I was like, oh, that fucking looked miserable. Well, so first, right, when everything is going to shit, the, the turkey pterodactyls are really only trying to eat the insects, yes. right? So they're only going after the bugs. And then when the window breaks open, they're still kind of chasing the bugs. But at some point, one of them looks down at the guy next to the Alpo bags and goes, neck meat. Yeah, you look like food. And so that he's dead. Shouldn't, I hope that chicken was a good last meal for him. Uh, so at the same time, one of the, the smaller bugs uh, lands on Sally's face and then stabs her in the neck with its stinger and then flies off and um her face ends up swelling and she dies like it's like anaphylactic shock the whole side of her face and neck are like the size of a watermelon huge it's grody but she dies from that they basically make torches out of mops and they're like swinging at one one dude who makes a torch kicks over a bucket of kerosene and lights himself on fire dude and this was probably not intended to be funny but then like Ben is on. He's like, where's the fire extinguishers? And it basically looked like, felt like you look right at the camera. It, I was like, all right, that's a little funny. So they've got little torches. They've got sticks. They've got rakes and stuff. And they're, they're, they're attacking the pterodactyl, the pterodactyl turkeys. And uh, they get one down on the ground. And, they're, and David is beating it to death with a, um, a broomstick or something. Yeah. Another one's flying around. And Ollie grabs a gun and shoots it out of the air. And it's not quite dead yet. And Ollie did reveal that he was pretty good with a pistol because he had some shooting courses back in 94 or something. Yeah, like he was like that. the state champion or something. And at this point, Billy's like, I better get in the way. Yes. And he Because he's a kid in a movie. Right. He, he's there for one of two reasons, either plot, you know, you know, movement or to basically be a hazard. And so he, he gets away from the lady who was watching him and she was pretty useless as well. She's like, Billy, no. And Billy, stop. And she waves her arm. She's like, well, he's yeah, gone. He's way too. I can't move. So so he's way too far out. So he's just standing in the hallway. The turducken looks right at him. <laughs> we could call him a turducken. No, nope, it's perfect. Starts <laughs> making a beeline for him. David, How about, okay, turkey dactyl. Turkey dactyl. Okay. Turkey dactyl. Turdactyl. Turdactyl. I like that. There we go. Okay. The turdactyl starts making for Billy. David swoops in Superman style, picks him up, and Ollie, bam, pops him right in the head. And one of the bugs lands on Mrs. Carmody, our yeah. religious nut. And she's I standing there it. and she's basically like saying something to Quaid. Uh, like, like, if yeah. it's my time, I'm your servant, whatever, whatever. And the bug doesn't sting her and flies her away. 
or she flies away. That is a sign that she has been chosen. And so does all the people looking at her. They're all like, because now she starts gathering followers. Yeah, it's I I really disliked this part. I was like, God, I wish she would have died. Yeah. Finally get all the bugs killed or all the turkey dactyls out of there. This would have been a perfect moment for someone to go clean up on aisle seven. Am I right? Yeah. Mark, it's not that kind of movie, <laughs> goddammit. Instead, it fades to black again. <laughs> yes. And um, when we cut up, let's just do a real quick recap. We we get a bunch of scenes where we see Carmody kind of basically spreading the, the religious word and people actually like listening to her and paying attention to her. We get to see um, what's-his-face uh, is burned, Todd or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. is like burned really bad. And he's like, this pain is the worst. I didn't know pain could be this bad. If you guys can't find something to help me with this, you got to fucking kill me. And yeah. they decide to go hit up the pharmacy. Yes. As they're also doing that, we find out that the old lady who was supposed to be protecting Billy has OD'd on pills. She can't take the stress of this, so she popped a bunch of pills and kills herself. I mean... Yeah. Again, I'm not faulting anyone's decisions in this, but, you know, woof. Like, that was uh, that was tough. I was like, oh, damn. If you gotta go, go with a smile. Yeah, better to go that way than getting stung in the neck and blow up. That looked very painful for Yeah, Sally. after seeing some of that, I would have been like, yeah. mm, okay, maybe. Um, so, yes, as Mark said, they, they decide they've got to do something. They've got to help Todd, and plus it'd be good to get a few things from the pharmacy next door. And so a small group of our, our characters are going to, like, join together and take care of this. And this is where Irene's like, Jay, uh, what was it? What's the Hicks Jim. name? Jim. I knew you. I had you in my class. And he's like, he's like, yes, you did, ma'am. He's like, you were an underachiever after you. <laughs> and so she makes him go out first with the group. Voluntold. Yeah. Jim, get out there and do some good, you piece of shit. Yep. Also, Billy in his most useless form goes, don't go, dad. There's something out there. No fucking duh, Billy. We just saw <laughs> turductiles come in here and fuck everybody up. Yeah. Thanks, Billy. Billy. I know. Like, he's like, look, I'll get you a comic. <laughs> what love of David was just like, I should have left you with your mom. <laughs> yeah. So they go and have the best scene of the movie. So it's, yeah, it's like David, the two locals, Irene, the army guy, Jasper. And I do think it was here that she's hit with the can of peas or whatever. Yeah, it telling is Because she's trying to stop him from going out in the pharmacy. Yeah. She's like, you're going to get him attracted back over here. And they're like, shut up. If you do this, you're basically dooming the rest of us to be killed. So blah, it's blah, your blah, blah. pride that brought this upon us. And now look at you. You are all dummies. And yeah, the can. So then they go out next door. They make it in seemingly okay. And David grabs a comic book. And I thought probably inappropriate for the time. Maybe should have went for a Casper the Friendly Ghost or like a Jughead. You Do know? we know what comic he grabbed? Hellboy. I know. <laughs> right next to it was a goon. Should have got goon. Oh, goon's good. Yeah. Uh, nah, for a kid, get Hellboy. All right. I would have thought like you got to punish her, but you got to get Marvel <laughs> on board for this and that's not going to happen. But right. You know, the pharmacy set was awesome. So you can't really see very far into the pharmacy because they, they left. They propped the door open. Mm-hmm. So and, it's like ambient light kind of lighting this uh, dark pharmacy. And it, you see what seems to be like cobwebs or something over everything. Well, uh, uh, yes, to a degree. Like as you're walking through this dark pharmacy, it looks like a dark abandoned like pharmacy. And as you slowly get further and further and the light, the light gets dimmer, yeah. you start to see these cobwebs. And that I was like, I had to do a double take. I was like, wait, are those cobwebs? Like it's, it's so subtle at first. And so when the, everyone's surprised by them, it felt natural. Fair. That's true. If you come across anything that looks cocooned or webby to that degree, get the fuck out. Dude, yes. when we get to the MP, they, this is probably their least believable moment. But they do find, so they get to the pharmacy, they find all the drugs, and they Oxycontin. start- Oxycontin. 
which they didn't need, but Ollie was like, ooh, Oxy. And I yeah. was like, my man's got a preference. Well, yeah. poor Mr. Burn victim probably would it. love it. Right, because the salve they're looking for, I guess, is just an antibiotic. Doesn't matter. They get all their drugs. Patty would have loved it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. And they're like, uh, we're hearing something fucking weird. I was like, yeah, uh, everything's fucking weird right now. But they start to they hear scurrying sounds. Yes, you hear scurrying and cobweb. Deuces. Get deuces, out. deuces, deuces. Which is what they try to do. But then they find the MP. The, so this is the guy who Mark had mentioned. And they stopped deucing. And they should have just kept deuces. Oh, big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, was go with, told the soldiers they weren't on leave. He went to the pharmacy and got cocooned up against the wall, very alien style. And he's just talking nonsense. He's like, I feel him inside of me. That's not nonsense. After everything I'd seen, if someone was like, I feel him inside of me, I'd be like, burn it with fire or get the fuck From out. From their perspective, they're like, what is he talking about? He opens his shirt and you see just all these creatures right under his skin. And then they're like, help me pull him off the wall. They're no, no, no. They he's used dead. him as an egg yeah. sack. They used him as an egg sack. Yeah. Yes. And they're, try- they're still trying to get him out. Stop. But yeah. the Let M- him go. But the MP also says, I'm sorry. Yes. More or less like we did this. this he does all- say we did this yeah. yeah and that comes back later but they should have just killed him if anything but instead the spiders come because now the, they're the moving bo- the body falls and it busts open with a bunch of tiny little baby spiders <laughs> and everyone's like again it was so creepy and then as they're starting to like okay fuck it baby spiders they um look around and there's the bigger versions of them that have been spinning the webs and basically putting eggs in people and these looked very creepy they're they're kind of like we say spiders but they've got this like as you said, Eldritch kind of like, you know, um, just dark demonic look yeah, to them. They're it's just a really cool Ugh. looking. Um, and they start shooting web out of their mouth. And as they do, uh, it's acidic. Yeah. So the web is acidic. So to burn through this scene really fast, they, they, they're trying to get out of there. Um, old lady Irene is using a hairspray and a lighter to like torch shit, which, which mwah, I, uh, some dude gets a web wrapped around his leg and it starts to like eat through his leg. And yeah. they try to tourniquet it with a belt. But honestly, okay, oof, you got to learn to cut your losses sometimes. Like, just drag the dude and turn it in the outside. Like, don't do it where the spiders are. That fucking spider web, I was going to say silk, was so acidic, right? It burned right through the dude's pant leg, and I thought it took his skin off his leg. It It did, did, yeah. It kind of peeled it down. It was like basically... And it went through his whole leg effectively and, like, cut his, like, femoral artery or whatnot. Yeah, it... They're lucky it was so slow moving as it kind of jettisoned into the air, and they're just like, "What is that?" Well, yeah, the spider they, web is slow like that because the, yeah. the the weight of it, and yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. there are some scenes of them dodging it, you know, sort of Matrix style. But ultimately, they get their ass handed to them, mm-hmm. and they a good chunk do. Yeah, and they go back to the survivors, end up back in the food mart. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Lady Carmody, Lady Carmody, Miss Carmody is basically being like, she's now, while they were gone, whipped up the the masses into a frenzy. Expiation, expiation, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, means like sacrifice or some shit. Yeah. It's very like Warhammer, blood for the blood god. You know, she wants to get some Which stab- I'm all about, but, you know. She wants to get some stabbing. So um, as they're doing this, they're like, okay, fuck that noise. We got bigger problems. We got to, that's it. We got to get the fuck out. We can't do shit about this. Cause they found out that the dude who was burned died while they were gone. There's nothing left to live for. Um, so they're like, okay, let's go find out what this dude meant. The MP meant about it's our fault. So they go back to the back to find the military guys and they discover that they have hung themselves from the rafters in the, uh, the back warehouse room. And important to know at this point, Jim has joined in with Miss Com. 
Yes. Uh, fuck, I can't say her name. Miss Carmody. 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 So now he is also part of the sacrifice, and he saw the gang go in the back room and sort of snuck after them. Mm-hmm. And so, so he overhears the conversation yeah. about like um, Jessup being like, you know, like it's not my fault. We're, they were doing experiments up there. I had no way of knowing. It was just rumors. I didn't know. Like, yeah, uh, I'm new here. <laughs> and yeah, so. pretty much. I, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> and Jim grabs him and pulls him up front. And he was like, it's the military's fault. This dude just fucking admitted it. You know, this is all because of blah, blah, blah. And then Carmody's like, see, I told you it's divine intervention, blah, blah, blah. And then they stab this dude. They like sacrifice Jessup. Yep. They stab him and throw him out into the mist. My only criticism of this movie is I think the radicalization of the mob happens too fast. Within 48 hours, we are already sacrificing people in the gas station or the grocery store. They uh, now I think it's too quick. I agree for the most part. I think the jump that helped is when she didn't get stabbed, like by stung by that. She didn't get stung, and also she's like everyone. She's like, I told you, one would die tonight. Yeah, she's been right about everything to this point. So. Small country town, you know, probably leaning a little bit more religious than people's psyches are already very fragile. And, you know, I would Mm -hmm. expect maybe a couple weeks to a month to get to this point. But I get for the theme of what the story writer was going for. Cool. I can I can let it slide. And then then they decide, all right, we got to get out of here. They just killed. Or they have to what, John? Skedaddle. There you go. Fuck yeah, they got to (laughs) skedaddle. And so Ollie's like, all right, I'm going to stock up some supplies. Your Land Rover or whatever can hold eight. So it'll be me, Ben, Irene, and uh, Amanda. And and a few others, yes. There is a scene that we kind of touched on earlier, but I think is really important is before they actually sacrifice Jessup, in the name of God or whatever. Yeah. There's a conversation in the back with our pragmatic group where they're like, at, at some point, David's like, uh, we're going to get my car and oh, yeah. leave. And at first I'm like, wait, what? He's just going to hoof it after seeing everybody die outside. And then he kind of explains, he's like, yeah, there's something in the mist. But what we need to be concerned about is the radicalization happening on the other side of the grocery store. By tomorrow, she's going to have more people and they're going to have a fucking society going on. And who do you think they're going to come after first? Mm-hmm. And the shunting starts. Oh, God. That's a different movie. And they're two days away from shunting at this point. But like you said, Amanda, the teacher is like, no, basically people are good. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. It's Ollie. Ollie goes like, if you take away, you know, like 911, the power. He's like, then we revert to the the most like terrible things that we can be. He's like, people are only civilized because of these things. And Ollie's like real calm about it, too. He's like not even like trying to make a point. He's just like, yeah, you can believe that. But X, Y and Z. What are you going to do? Yeah. And it's like, damn, Ollie, like, it's kind of fucking taking humanity down. Yeah. I mean, kinda, unfortunately, I kind of subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at with humanity, especially after the pandemic. It's quaint how in like, you know, 2007, people still had this debate. In 2023, everyone knows people suck. So <laughs> this has been your Grave Talk positivity moment. Oh, hell no, man. If you're trapped in with a bunch of uh, people who you just saw sacrifice somebody. Fucking get out. Well, to be fair, only one person like stabs him, but everyone's kind of just like, oh, I guess we're on board for this. We're going to go for it. But yeah, nobody um, stops him. This is Lord of the Flies, man. Yes. Big time. Oh, I prefer Lord of the Flies. You can handle that. Yeah. Hand me the conch. <laughs> yes. Um, so they so we go to sleep and then they wake up a little bit before everyone else because this is where they're going to make their escape. So they gather the the friendly six or seven, however many people it is. The Magnificent Seven. Yes, it's five because they have four bullets. The core left. four. And um, <laughs> so they... Um, they start working their way out, but the groceries aren't there. And they stand up and they're like, what the fuck? And then you see Carmody sitting in a, a lawn chair. She's like with a knife. She's like, stealing food now. 
Going out now, Mrs. Carmody. Please stand aside. You can't go out. I won't allow it. Won't allow it? It's against God's will. You're the sinners. No more wire hangers. Like, she's just going off. And so there's about to be a showdown. It's from them. The blood of human sacrifice must come from them. The blood of expiation. You try it. Fucking try it. Come on. We want the boy. We want the boy. She wants to get, she says, grab the kid. The kid's the sacrifice and the whore while you're at it. No, she says she wants to save the kid from these heathens. No, she wants to sacrifice. She said he's a sacrifice. And I'm like, how did Carmody get to that? that. Well, because he's innocent, bro. You got to have that innocent virgin blood. Oh. Okay. Don't you know anything about sacrifices? I mean, I forgot. It's yeah. been a while since I've sacrificed. Okay. Get with the times. So, so, yes. So, at this point, it's a matter to save Billy. And um, boom, Ollie just says, you know what? Step aside. Daddy's got this. And then, blam, shoots Carmody right to the stomach. And then you think, oh, no. And then, blam, he shoots her right to the head. Crack shot this Ollie. And she goes down. And the crowd cheers. <laughs> at least from the audience pretty much <laughs> they're, in, they're stunned yeah everyone yeah. in the, the the store is like holy shit and all he's like i will shoot the rest of you if you come near me but he's very shocked he goes you know i wouldn't have done it if there was any other way he's like yeah i know Ollie. he's like venting to david it's a moment of humor in this yep. horrible situation yeah. he's like uh, i killed her thank you ollie i wouldn't have shot her dave not if there'd been any other way. That's why I said thank you. Okay. So they now are going to David's car because it's got four wheel drive, which makes sense to me. It's a Toyota Land Rover yeah, or whatever it is. I think it's a Land Rover. I don't know. It's something Land like Cruiser. That. That's Land what it is. Land Cruiser. Because they hold a shot like dead on that logo and stuff for a while. I'm like, all right, we get it. It's a Land Cruiser. Yeah, marketing. It works. So seemingly almost make it so close, almost made it. So a few people are getting fucked up on the way out to the car and bada bing, bada boom. As they're working their way out, we get introduced to a new monster. Giant uh, lobster. Yeah. Oh, actually, we got introduced to it when they kick Jess up after he gets stabbed. They throw Jess up outside and he gets uh, attacked by the giant um, praying mantis looking creature. Mm-hmm. But we don't get to see it like in its full glory. But as we're running to the car, Ollie gets eaten by the praying mantis monster and everyone else uses his opportunity to get in the car. Some people like get eaten. I felt bad for Ollie, man. Yeah, I gotta so tell you, I felt bad for the monsters during the first part where they were shooting the the terror ter- the pterodactyls. Ter- ter- yeah, um, because I was like, these things are just trying to eat the bugs. They're just hungry, man. And then they just came to the wrong place, and people started shooting them. Hey, look, I don't know survival. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. But it was just one of those. I was like, oh man, they just doing them. But they don't fully show the praying mantis, which I appreciate. It's so fucking tall; it's kind of covered by the mist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's about like a hundred foot tall. It's pretty big, huge, definitely. So. But they manage to get in the car. And the people that escape is Billy, the kid, Irene, the old lady. Um, I can't remember the name of the old I think man. It's ben. Ben, uh, the old man, Thomas Jane, David, and um, Amanda, walking dead lady. So they're all in the car and then they manage to get away and they're driving. And this is where Desert Rose by Sting kicks in. And yeah, it goes on for about 20 <laughs> minutes. And I appreciate this one momentary scene because this whole movie, I did not know where this took place because it started out and I was like, oh, this looks like 
the Northeast. And then it was like, oh, the radio in Portland's down. And I was like, oh, this must be the Pacific Northwest. And boy, did they trick you because it was filmed in Louisiana. And then later on, they're like, (laughs) like, like, oh, well, so-and-so down in New Hampshire. And I was like, what the fuck? Where the fuck are they? And then they pass a street sign that says New Hampshire, Massachusetts. And I was like, oh, thank God we are in the Northeast. I'll save you some time. If you're watching a Stephen King thing, it's probably Maine. I felt (laughs) dumb because after that, I was like, of course we're in the fucking Northeast. Like, why am I such an idiot? It's, I really enjoyed this scene because you get to see like what appears to be like a bleak, desolate landscape of no hope. Like everything's partially covered in cobwebs. Everybody's cars are overturned. People are fucking stung and exploded in cars. I mean, kids in school buses are desiccated. He goes back to his house to get his wife and he sees that she's uh, cocooned now like the MP. And I understand that this song is supposed to be like the funeral procession song for humanity, but boy, did it take me out of the movie. Only because you were thinking of Desert Rose. It worked for me. It was so distracting, though. It's so loud and goes on for so long. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it is a big shift because otherwise this has a very minimal understated soundtrack and then this kicks in. I can't even think of the soundtrack except for this scene. And it goes on for so long. It's so loud and it's so like just obvious. But they go and they go and they go and they run out of gas. And the thing is, is they there was a theory that they they posed earlier that like, you know, maybe this ends somewhere. And kudos, not, listeners. I want to take a moment, put this on record. We went this whole movie with a surprise ending and John didn't fucking spoil it. <laughs> we have made it this far and John did not ruin this ending. Well, so, I'll tell you what. I no, hold a, on. You shut your mouth. Don't you dare do it right now. I had to bite my tongue about 50 times. I'm bleeding, actually. So. <laughs> but my yes, tongue is numb. They run out of gas and um, they start to hear the monsters. Um go around them and they're like, okay, this might be it. And then there's this like, everyone kind of looks at each other with no words and they all just kind of agree. Like it's better to be dead than be one of these monsters or be killed by these things. And so they look at the bullets and they have four bullets for the gun and there's five of them. And Thomas Jane says, I'll take one for the team. I'll figure something out. I think is what he says. Yes. I mean, in theory, it's not that hard. You just go walk in the mist. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Boom. I didn't think they were going to do it. I, I knew you I wouldn't think so. I didn't think they were going to do it, but they did it. When Those I wa- beautiful bastards. <laughs> when I watched this the first time, I also didn't think it. I was like, no way. But he cuts to outside the car and you just see blam, 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 blam. Four shots. And then you cut back in and Thomas Jane is like screaming and crying like, no. He puts the gun in his mouth and like tries to nothing. Fucking rough. He kills his son. Kills Amanda, kills the old people. I mean, to be fair, everyone's on board except for Billy, who looks at his dad like, what's going on after he wakes up and then pow. Yeah. Holy shit. He does it. He kills him. And then he gets out of the car and he's like, all right, fucking take me, monsters. It's go time. Like, I can't live with this. And you start to hear rumbling. And out from behind him comes military vehicles. A whole fucking convoy. Out of the mist, you hear rumbling that you think is one of the monsters, but instead it is military vehicles driving past him. And the mist clears. Yeah, it's gone. 
as the military rolls in and you see Thomas Jane's face, which he did a great job of acting mm-hmm. here. He's like, he's oh. a great actor. Thomas Jane is an amazing actor. And he's like, what was it for? Why did they die? You know, it's like, it was very oh, hereditary. Man. He starts screaming and he looks up at one of the vehicles passing where like civilians have been picked up by the military. And there's Carol from the walking dead with her two kids. She made it. So yeah. if they just mean mugging with her, like, mm, told you, he would have been alive with his wife and kid. And it is the gut punch. And, and he just kind of like he breaks at this point and these military officers come up behind him and soldiers come up behind him and kind of like what the hell yeah one of them shrugs and i was like what the fuck yeah i don't know <laughs> he's crazy and you see it and as um and then we kind of pan out and we see like helicopters flying through the air we see tanks and you know cars and there's flamethrowers and they're burning the cobwebs on the trees and stuff like that the military's cleaning up the mess but the uh, the mist is dissipating if they had managed to wait a few more minutes they all would have lived. Well, and so that was, that's, that's why I want to, I want to get some questions of that, but yeah, let's go ahead. I hate this ending after this. You do roll credits. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just heart wrenching. I, it is. And it's so brave that they like in a filmatic way that they did this, but I have two big problems with it. First, it seemingly against all of the character that had been built. These people are action oriented. They ran out of gas. They are on a fucking highway. We saw them drive by countless cars. If you're going to commit suicide, why not try to get into someone else's car, drive it up next to your car, bomb. And then if you fail, you're dead. All right. You're right back where you started. Fine. And much like our gas tank running out of gas, our characters have run out of hope. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like they have been watching everything around them look to be dead. Like there's there's nothing survived. But we just don't see that happen in the movie. But I, I agree with you. I think that uh, like... Why Why end it all when you were willing to go out there and try to find a path to a solution? Yeah, it's Flanders' he, parents. We've tried nothing. We're all out of ideas. Pretty much. So I, like, it would have been more interesting if you had... I mean, this movie is already two hours long. But if you had seen some evidence of them starting to feel hopelessness instead of being action-oriented... Well, they, they cut to everyone's faces as they're looking around and seeing the school bus with the dead kids and all that. So you start to see people's faces kind of like break like, oh, fuck, there is nothing. Like, this This is permanent. This is as far as the eye can see. It just feels like a big We also don't jump. know how far they drove. It's not like they went like a mile and ran out of gas. I feel like they drove for a while, too. I can... But I can still see John's point of... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Arguing, would our characters really just give in to suicide. He's been trying to save his kid for two days now. But he also promised his kid, I won't let the monsters take you. True. Well, the kid says, you have to promise me the best promise you've ever had. You'll never let them take me. And the other one, more nitpicky, but probably more like realistic. Tanks are fucking loud. If there was a (laughs) tank four feet behind him, he would notice. Maybe the mist dampens sound. I thought that, but no other point in time does that happen. True. They are talking in the mist. No problems. To me, that actually, when I first watched this movie, that was what pissed me off the most. Because I wasn't really thinking about character motivation at the time. I was just like, there's a whole army convoy. A helicopter's flying by. Well, he hears the, the rumble of the tank and he thinks it's one of the monsters because what we did leave out is as they're driving through the mist and going out, they feel this like giant boom, boom. Like think uh, the fucking Baranosaurus. Oh, that thing is cool. Right, we see a giant monster that looks cool as hell. And it is towering. We're talking like 500 feet in the air. It's got like massive giant legs. It's got like those um, pterodactyls flying around the bottom of it. Like so cool. Just like, and they look like gnats on it. It's massive. It's got tentacles. And this is the tentacle thing from the beginning. It looks like it should be in that film franchise with the shaky cam. Oh, Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Yeah. It's like a Cloverfield monster. This looks way cooler than Cloverfield monster. Well, sure. Yes. 
But yes, and it's just it's just doing its own thing. Again, back to the whole ecosystem mm-hmm. of whatever has come through. Oh, we also learned in that military scene that Project Arrowhead was them fucking with um, some kind of like technology and they opened a gateway to another dimension slash world and this shit came through. Yeah, Private so, Jessup tells us this. Yeah. And he's like, this is what they were talking about. They said they were trying to open a window so they could see, but they didn't realize they made a door. Yes, <laughs> and I loved that concept. I was a little annoyed they didn't go further into it, but I also love the fact that they didn't because it left it very like- I think it was just ooh. enough. Yeah. Yes, it was. But Those you know me, I, I, love a, I love a background. I love a like, I want to deep dive into this. Sure. Yeah, but scientists, all windows can be doors. So you're- you're <laughs> whole if theory was climb through it, yeah. yeah so but anyway that's my those are my complaints about the ending but. i will say i had a i had a sneaking suspicion when the ending was rolling out i was like they're gonna get to a point where they run out of gas and then the movie's gonna end and maybe it's just gonna pan up and it's gonna show you how far away from the end of the mist they were oh imagine they're like they were feet. that close to getting out of the mist or something like that that would have been insane yeah but, but it like, was they did something similar to that so real quick let me ask you two questions before we get into the, the book ending um what did the military do to make the mist dissipate? Were they just on the back end of it, pushing it out of town? And then are they pushing it anywhere? Are they actually dissipating? Or are they just moving it along? I think maybe they closed the door and they're just doing cleanup. Yeah. Okay. Because everyone was running back to the base. So. Yeah. I think they closed the door of the dimension opening that they caused. The, okay. The, the There is a theory that uh, Miss Comedy, Camerdy, whatever, was right because the mist did seem to instantly dissipate when David and Amanda was killed. Oh, and they killed the kid. And the mist is gone. And she, throughout the whole movie, nails almost exactly... You mean Amanda and Billy. Amanda and Billy. Sorry. Right. Yeah. When Amanda and Billy get killed or kill themselves or whatever, the mist is gone. It poofs away. And she called everything, right? That they're, they're going to get attacked at night. One of y'all are going to die. You're going to go to the pharmacy and all of y'all are going to die. Da, 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 da. Uh, so there's like this theory out there that... Maybe she was right. That's interesting. That's I, I kind of like that. Open that for theory. interpretation. Yeah. Nebulous ending. Okay, good job. All right, cool. It just it just seems weird because I couldn't tell if they were just following the mist and like just like escorting it through the like, you know, the United States <laughs> as it worked its way past. Like it'll eventually get to the ocean, you know, like they're pushing right. it. This Canada's problem now. What All right, mist, giant, move along. What move along. The giant monsters, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So again, it was I had a, a lot of questions at the ending kind of posed by showing such a huge military presence. And then the, the mist is basically like kind of moving away as they followed it. But it also felt weird that they were like trucking uh, civilians. What the mist was going away and they were like trucking civilians towards the mist. Like they were following the mist and like they were just like, mm. why take the civilians? You think maybe they'd be going the other, other way. way. Which yeah. makes you think maybe they were also just driving through the mist and it was the kid's death that actually dissipated. Holy the mist. shit. All right. Okay. So. Damn. Mm. All right, internet. We see yeah. you. Yeah. They know what's so up. So the book, how was the book different? The book ending is they run out of gas. It's a giant orgy. Yeah. To summon Maturin. <laughs> and they have lots of shunting. And he sneezes and blows the mist away. <laughs> no, they run out of gas and they pull into a Howard Johnson. And Is it really a Howard Johnson? Yeah. Nice. And they, the whole story is the dad writing this. He's like, look, we are out of gas. There's no ending. I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, the mist, you know, we drove into Connecticut. We heard something on the radio that said Hartford Hope. So he thinks Hartford might be free of the mist. So they're going to try and get there, but they don't know how they're going to get a car. So he's like, you know, I don't know. I'm leaving this here. Hopefully someone in the future will read it. The end. Mm. Wait a minute. What? Yeah, it's a very open ending. That is terrible. That ending sucks. Uh, it doesn't tell you anything except that the mist is throughout, apparently, the whole state of Maine. Why is it Stephen King gets a pass on not writing fucking endings? Like, that dude is just... 
imagine if someone who like was a closer worked with Stephen <laughs> King and they combined to be the greatest writing duo in history. That'd be something. I, I like his open ending interpretations to some stuff, but that is such a fucking cop out of like, well, I'm writing this diary. If someone finds it, doop a doop a doo. Yeah. Interestingly, all the pieces for the movie ending were there because in the book, he does allude to, hey, we have the gun. We have four bullets. If it comes down to it. This is an option, but Stephen King doesn't go there instead, he, which I think is honestly more true to the characters. To my earlier point, I don't think that David I will agree would just with you on that. Up. I will agree with you on that, but man, this was a better ending. The movie ending was better. Well, Stephen King really liked the ending that Frank wrote for it. Yeah. He was on board. And in fact, uh, Frank wanted to have Stephen King cast in the movie, but uh, he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to travel to, to film. No. <laughs> oh, because it was in Louisiana, right? It's like, I'm Correct. rich enough. I don't need to this be This was about movie. the time he got hit by the car, right? 2000? Mm, that would have been earlier. Yeah, or? this came out in 07. I mean, he would have, I'm sure, still recovering because it was a pretty bad, but he yeah. did it a while ago. He wrote that horrid Dreamcatcher movie while yeah. he was on meds. Oof. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It was such a nice, refreshing moment from Scream 6 going into something that I was actually invested in. I highly recommend this movie, four out of five stars. Four bullets, core four. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what if Scream 6 ended that way? Good. Yeah, much bolder. <laughs> My God, you guys hated Scream 6. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, definitely recommend this movie. Um, it is a bit long, but it, it does not feel it. Yeah, if anything, they could have cut some of that ending. But overall, I totally agree. Love it. Even though it's two hours long, highly recommend. I liked living in the desolation for as long as we did, because it really did give me a, a sense of like bleakness and, and no fair. hope. But um, They turned the soundtrack down some then. <laughs> well, that's three recommendations from us. Any lingering thoughts on the end of the world or windows into another dimension or this movie shout out to stephen king that mad motherfucker dude he always kills it even though his endings kind of suck but yes the fog or the mist which one do you like more oh the mist i don't know i mean i've seen the fog once i've seen the mist 27 times i think so. that's your answer conservatively right Conser no conservatively six <laughs> yes, that's right <laughs> one caveat the fog has a tom atkins in it i know without a mustache it would have been cool if he you was. You know, in... that's like seeing fucking Burt Reynolds without a mustache. <laughs> it would have been cool to get him in this movie. Could have been yes. Like, Thrill me, and we show him the the. He could have been tentacle. the old. He could have been the old dude in the back. Oh yeah. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Well, okay. Missed you win, but just barely. <laughs> just barely. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, have you seen the mist? Why don't you let us know what you think about it on our social media? We got an Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter account. You can find everything we're up to at thegravetalk.com. Garrett, do we know what's coming up next time? We do, actually. The next time we got a listener request, because we actually do sort of care what you think. Not much, but a little bit. I care deeply. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no. Um, it's uh, Stay Alive from 2006. Ah, uh, yes. The Frankie Muniz movie. Is Frankie Muniz in it? I wonder if he's going to be the boss of me now. What was Ooh. he in? He's Malcolm in the Middle. Oh. Yeah. Do you think okay. he's in the middle of this movie? <laughs> Very you much might be. <laughs> Anyways, I haven't seen it yet, but I do remember that trailer going, a video game that kills you or something like Wait, that. Wait, is that what it is? Something like that. I've never heard or seen this movie. Well, we'll sort it out and figure it out for next time. So stay alive. All right. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. 